Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday and happy Friday, September 29th. It is so great to have you here and joining us here on the Up Your Brave show. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, where it's all about motivation, inspiration, holistic health, parenting, and more. So speaking of health, I wanted to do a quick shout out. It is September and September, if you may or may not know, is Alopecia Awareness Month. So alopecia is a condition which is called unexplained baldness. You may have seen people around. They sometimes get mistaken for somebody that's going through chemo. Uh, But unexplained baldness where it's either universal, meaning full body, or, um, or it's mainly on the head and it looks like a little bit more patchy. Um, my my son actually had this happen to him unexplained at the age of seven. So we have a special place in our heart. And I wanted to do a shout out to anyone who is has got alopecia and really is um, trying on your confidence. It's not a painful condition, but it is trying on the confidence. And so, um, so many amazing people out there upping their brave with that. Speaking of health and wellness, I have been, because it is my birthday this well, this month and also today. So shout out to any other September birthdays. I gifted myself the gift of health and healing. In the month of September, I went on a bit of a journey and I wanted to experience a few different healing modalities because I work with and I know so many incredible people here in New Zealand. Uh, Last week, check out my reel on Instagram when you get a chance. Last week, I went to see the amazing Joe Webb, also known as the Happiness Hustler. She was, in fact, our very first interview guest six months ago when we started uh, Reality Check Radio. She was my first guest. Um, But she is a longtime friend and connection. And I went and I did a release and surrender session with her, which was so interesting because as you know, I'm huge on health and wellness and I'm huge on the integration between emotions and how things present physically in your body and that it's not healthy to hold things in and allow them to fester. So the release and surrender was an amazing session. I highly recommend you can check her out, Happiness Hustler, um, and maybe go and listen to our interview. 
Also, I'm collaborating with a few amazing ladies. I've got Joe Webb as well as last week's guest, Melly Rose. Melly Rose is also a, a healer and she was on our show last week. We are collaborating with a few other amazing women for a six-week Raise Your Frequency, Empower Your Life online course that we are starting on the 9th of October. So check out my upyourbrave.com uh, uh, website and also my Up Your Brave Facebook page to learn more about that. One of the things I've been learning about myself, you guys probably know, I love human design. I've had a few, few people on my show, I often mention human design. But when I learned that I was what they call a 3-5 generator, so not just a generator, go, 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 do, 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 help all the people, but a 3-5 generator. And the three is all about life experience. Like I have to experience things in order to learn. So for me, it's not about learning in a book. I go through the trials and tribulations of life. And the five part of it, this was a game changer for me when I learned about the five part of my human design, which is all around, well, really it's around saving the day. And it was like, oh my gosh, no wonder ever since high school, you guys, ever since high school, I've wanted to like help people do and be more than they ever thought possible. And I've wanted to like save the world and all that stuff. And it was like, no wonder I've had this burning desire my whole life, as long as I can remember, or at least since high school to quote unquote, save the day. And it's, it's part of your human design. So if you're curious to learn about yourself, I have a September special. So you, if you, if you, uh, grab it, you know, pay for it. It's $88 in uh, September. Then you get it at that sweet September price. You can actually, uh, we can do the session in October, but you need to grab it in September. You can find that also on upyourbrave.com. Let's talk about who I've got coming up on the show today. I've got some amazing guests. We've got first up Charmaine Marinkovich, uh, who is a coach, a writer, a podcaster, and photographer on unleashing your wild and aligning with your truth. It's a powerful interview. I'm so excited to share it with you. Then we're going to get political. I actually talked to Tanya Unkovich. She is political candidate for New Zealand First. She's also an author and an executive mentor. We're talking about her journey from going from grief to greatness. And we're also going to talk about politics. The final interview for today is Aston Garrett. She is a psychology researcher on using social media to help the mental health of our nation. She's also a multi-talented musician who plays about seven different instruments. So when we do her interview, I'm going to play one of her songs after that. Uh, so let's go to some amazing messages from our listeners. We've had someone lovely writing in. Thank you so much. Mary says, another brilliant interview from Natalie and Donna Kate. Hey, Ty. Uh, what amazing souls we have in this country at this time. Yes, we do. Thank you, Mary, for writing in. We do have so many amazing people. And it's an honor for me to talk to them and bring them to you. We also have, um, she also says, Mary also says, another brilliant interview. Um, she also enjoyed, she also enjoyed the one for, with Melly Rose last week as well. That's so great. Wow, Natalie, the chat with Melly was wonderful. Thanks so much and RCR for making this type of radio possible. Love, Mary. Well, I want to do a shout out back to you guys. Thank you so much for showing up. 
Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't got the app, get the app. Our number is literally doubled, um, listeners. Um, that's why my show last week was a bit glitchy. It's because the numbers, the volume of people. But I think we've got it sorted. Get the app if you haven't. It makes things so much easier for yourself. Otherwise, of course, you can still listen on uh, realitycheck.radio. We've got someone, Ross writes in, hi team, wonderful explanation. Physics is a fantastic arena. The most dis- the most discount as not understandable. Love your show. Cheers, Ross. I'm not, okay, I was a little confused about that message, but I think it's a lovely message. Thank you, Ross, for writing in. And here we have another one. From Jenny in a Hopi, I went to the River of Freedom last night, not a dry eye in the theater, including mine. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thank you to those who gave and generously stood up. Yes. If you guys haven't seen it, you know, I talk a lot about River of Freedom movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, go and see it in the theaters. Uh, And last week it was number 10. I'm not sure what it's at right now. We sometimes get messages that are not so... um, positive. And that's totally fine too. That's what we love. Both sides of the story. Somebody writes in and says, this woman is making it up EMF bollocks, which is electromagnetic frequencies. And that is in relation to, I guess, with Melly Rose possibly, or maybe it was the detox episode. Uh, But basically, if if you want to learn more about frequencies and everything is energy and frequencies and 5G towers and phones and everything that we've got going on, Wi-Fi 24 seven, Um, You know, does it affect our health? I think it can. I think it does. If you don't think so, that's fine. But we actually did. We do have an interview on Reality Check Radio with an expert in this area. So uh, you can go and check that out on the app on the replays page. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. My next guest is a friend that I've recently reconnected with. We are both women in business, and we knew each other many, many moons ago, and I just love how people come back into your life. It's all about divine timing. And today, the topic is all about unleashing your wild, aligning with your truth. And I said to Charmaine, I love both of those words, alignment and truth. Welcome, Charmaine, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) It's nice to be here. So good to chat with you. And for those of you that don't know Charmaine Marankovich, she is a single mom of four, a baba, a.k.a. a nana, of three. She's been a photographer, photographing primarily women for 25 years. She's a writer who shares from her heart, who will get you thinking and have you turning inwards to look at your truth. She's the host of her podcast, The Art of Raw, Wild, and Free, and coaches women to step towards their own truth and find freedom in expressing themselves fully. Charmaine is so dedicated to women finding their voice, standing up to what feels right for them, and really connecting back to who they are and coming back home to self. She believes we are all a piece of art who get to step into our full expression to feel freedom within and break away from all that's holding us back allowing ourselves to explore, experience, and evolve into the humans we're proud to be so that we can take that through to the generations that follow. Woo! I love all that because it's so synergistic with what, I, what I'm what i about. So I'm excited to dive into this topic with you today. But um, before we do that, because I genuinely don't know, other than seeing you pop up with your amazing posts on Facebook and Instagram, how have the last three years been for you personally? Yeah, personally. Okay. Well, 
the last three years uh, have seen so much change in my life, especially this last year has been like probably the most pivotal year of uh, the last three years. <laughs> um, I have allowed myself to let go of things that I'd never, ever thought that I would let go of. So um, I guess after the last three years, over after COVID, um, I realized so much about myself and who I wanted to be. And one of the things was actually to dance. I'd been watching dance a lot. And so I booked into start dancing and I just thought it would be classes, but it actually took me on a whole journey to performing and things like that. But it opened me up to the world because there are people from all over the world that come into dance, right? So it took me so much outside of the world that I knew. And by meeting these people, they've opened my mind up to so many possibilities and um, opportunities and more about myself, more about other people. Um, and there, and I can't, and I'll say it, it hasn't all been easy. Um, I, I loved it to the point that I started to hate it. <laughs> and then I took myself out for three months because I was just like, what is this? What, what, what's Do you happening? mean the dancing or the world that you it's just found? Because I was around so many different people, mm. I, it was, some things were triggering me. Some things was like, wow, is this, I, I'd just been so stuck in my box with my family and myself and my kids, but I hadn't explored so, and I'd been working on my business, but I hadn't explored outside of that. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was learning to express myself in different ways, but it kind of, it triggered me and it pulled parts of me that I was like, hadn't healed and it shocked me. And it actually, I took myself out of alignment in so many ways because I was learning all these different ways of living and being and it was amazing but at the same time it was like a shock to my system (laughs) and so I took myself out of dancing at the beginning of this year and that really allowed me to stop and go what did the last two years just teach me about myself and about the world and about other people (laughs) and it was such an eye-opener and In the end, I saw so much about who I was as a person, how much they taught me to express, to enjoy my body even more so. Um, And I think as women, we hold back on all of that. And because I wasn't brought up in that lifestyle and way of expressing, it was a shock to my system. (laughs) And so um, this last year has been huge as far as allowing myself to detach from outcomes, people, mm. things. Um, and I always go by the checklist of life, which I've always kind of gone by is we have this thing and we have to start ticking off the things on our list, like find that partner, get married, have kids, second kid, third kid, whatever, um, buy a house, get the job, career, tick, 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 tick. And we celebrate all that. But in the end, we kind of feel unfulfilled within ourselves because that's what society has put on us, that that's the way we need to do it in this order. And if you don't do it in that order, what's going on? (laughs) And so I went through all of that and I was so unfulfilled because I wasn't feeding myself in any way. And so when I started to try and feed myself in different ways, it taught me so much more. And so I'm such an expressive person, but in my own way. And 
And I think that's one thing we're missing in life is expression, is finding the joy in our life, allowing it to be and not thinking, well, I can't do that because A, it's got nothing to do with an income or it's got nothing to do with my family or, you know, but what about just purely for yourself that fulfills you? Um, And so, yeah, this year I've just, in the last year, since maybe like January, I pulled myself, I got sick because I was so out of alignment and I was in bed for like two months and my kids were kind of looking after me. That's a lot. Hmm. So they're with me half the time because they're with their dad other half and they, um, but it was a massive learning curve for them. And my kids were amazing in how they stepped up and I could only do bits and pieces at a time, like go and, you know, do the dishes and then back to bed again and get up and cook some food and back to bed again. That's what, what, what it was like for the first two months. And then um, I really just had to like go, okay, I'm not going to stay here. And this is why I am here because I was so out of alignment. And what I've learned in my previous years is anytime I'm out of alignment, like fully out of alignment, my body reacts and my body goes down and I'm very sensitive to that. And so I know that if I come back into alignment, I don't get sick. Our bodies aren't meant to get sick. I believe that. Um, Our bodies are so strong and capable of so many things. It doesn't mean we're going to be in and out of alignment, uh, stay in alignment. We're going to come in and out, but it's just knowing when to like make those little shifts. So um, this year, yeah, have made some huge changes and all from being out of alignment (laughs) and then coming back into alignment. It's such a journey, and and it's so great when you do realize what are the the telltale signs that you're shifting or drifting out. Um, living out of alignment—that's a phrase that I use a lot, and I have done a couple of interviews on my show about human design, which is a word that goes alongside with human design. What do you mean, just for the people listening that aren't exactly sure what you mean by living out of alignment, and how do we know? I mean, you mentioned health—that is a big one. Are there other things that people can look for? If they're wondering, am I living out of alignment? You know, if you're living in a, out of alignment, you know, in your heart, your heart tells you all the time. You can tell you're just not listening to the little niggles. You're not listening to them at all. And one thing I um, am very um, strong in is listening to your body. Your body is literally telling you every single message that you need to receive. You know if something's joyful and you're grateful because you can feel it's like a warm hug inside. You may get a little bit teary out. You just get that zing, right? But if something's not right, it you, you contract. Um, and we've stopped listening to our body. Mm. But it's it's our it's our vehicle, it's our messenger, and it tells you everything. But I guess when we don't allow ourselves to sit with it, and feel the sensations, learn what they mean, think about where they're coming from, then we're going to ignore them. But if you ask anybody who's been through something and then come through it, they will sit there and say, I had a feeling. I knew. I knew it when back then, but I didn't want to listen to it. And it takes them a little while, right? So it's about learning to listen to those little things that your body is telling those little messages that your body is telling you and trying to move on that faster than sitting with it but people know you know in your heart and I tell my kids this all the time you know in your heart when something's not right for you or um, you know in your heart when you're doing wrong by somebody or by yourself Mm -hmm. you know in your heart 
You think, do you think some people are just kind of in denial about it? Meaning they do, they know, but they just almost don't want to look at that or they don't, they don't want to look at it because that. I'm scared. Yeah. People are scared of the truth, you know, it, it, and it, it, it can be scary because sometimes the truth um, can hurt and hurt you and hurt others. Like you have to, you know, you're going to have to go through something. Mm. Um, and I'll give you an example of, you know, knowing that my marriage was no longer. Now, I knew that, I felt that, but what scared me and what stopped me for a portion of the time was I'm going to have to go through this. I'm going to now have to parent on my own with four kids now. I don't want to do that, (laughs) but I also don't want to be in my marriage. Mm. So I don't want to do either, but which one feels better and right for me? Parenting my kids on my own feels better and right for me, even though that's still going to be hard. So um denial yes but more they, it's, it's just the fear of what next it's unknown and mm-hmm. we don't know how it's going to go so there's yeah. the knowing and then there's the responding and in that example you knew you responded but i guess some people don't respond or they delay a delayed response yeah and then your body starts to mm-hmm. maybe get sick or you lack energy you know you get colds or flus or um you gain weight so sometimes a lot of our weight isn't by necessarily what we eat okay maybe emotional eating yes but it's by all the stuff that we're actually holding on to that we know is not right for us and it protects us puts a cover all over us so yeah you mentioned earlier that you had let go or um of a lot of things I think I don't know if that's the words you use but something about letting go in the last three years what types yeah. of things? And then again, when you were re- referencing the weight, thinking of like holding on to things, yeah. because September, the first two weeks of September specifically are all about clearing and decluttering. It's such a great time for people to think, you know what? I don't need this, whatever, mm. friendship in my life or this habit in my life. What are some other things that either you or um, clients that you've worked with have lovingly, that's the way I say it, lovingly let go of in their lives? Yeah. Um, one of the um, biggest things that I've let go this year is the attachment of owning a home and I owned it for 13 years and uh, we it served me but it was leaking energy because mm. it's something I had to care for and look after and it took took energy but it, it served me for so so many um, years and I built a business out of it an Airbnb business before COVID and all of that and it was great I birthed my kids in there I got married in there, was divorced in there, had lots of memories. But when I found that it was leaking my energy, I knew it had to go. It it didn't serve me anymore. And I knew that there were new ways or other ways that I can build my wealth. And so I chose to let that go. And that was a hard choice to make because it's good to own a home. (laughs) So cool. But um, that was just a weight lifter. Uh, other people is just, yeah, I think letting go of relationships is really important. Um, you can still care for them and love them, but, um, it's important to know when that has run its course and to move on from the people that just no longer align for you. It's got to be a give and take, um, situation in all relationships that you have and, and knowing that. Yeah. It's, it's a good time for people to do that kind of a it's not inventory, but a reevaluation of what is 
um, giving them energy. And I think you use the phrase leaking energy. Sometimes we just know some things are not working for us. And good on you for being courageous. You're right, because we are told, oh, you should work towards having your own home. Like it's always one of the checklists, you know, the things on that checklist of life. And so you're encouraging our audience basically to, I guess, to write their own or to rewrite the checklist of life, making sure that it is in alignment. 100% looking at your beliefs, like, whose is this? Whose is this belief? It's not mine. It's someone else's. It's just been passed down. Um, so it's really questioning all of that. Mm. What are some, I'd love to go to some some tips or some actionable strategies for our audience today, you know, three to four on how we can, as you say, unleash your wild. So first question, what does unleashing your wild mean or look like look like to you? And then what are some things that we can do to unleash our wild or to align more with our truth? Yeah. Okay. So what is unleash your wild? Unleash your wild is like really being who you are. So we are already the person that we are, but we're just not actually living it. Okay. And my wild looks so different to your wild and wild is just living in your natural state of being. Okay. And whatever that looks like to you. So some people like for me, um, I am, I also have um, looked at um, human design as well. So I'm a six, two generator. I'm a hermit. And mm. I always thought it was wrong to want to spend a lot of time by myself and need to spend time by myself to, you know, gain my energy back, contemplate life, right, do the things that I want to do. And so now that is huge for me and and, and being the hermit coming, I call this my cave, like allow myself to sit in my cave whenever I need to and just and be okay with that. So it's knowing what works for you. For me, um, writing is my wild. Like it, wild doesn't mean right. <laughs> jumping off the cliff or whatever it's just whatever it means for you is how do you like to express yourself um minus through dance minus through writing through photography and allowing other people to ex- try and pull that out of them express themselves through an image as well so they are just a few of my wild <laughs> um but someone else's wild could be you know i truly love to travel i need to go and travel and allowing yourself to do that and finding a way to do that and making it a priority so uh it's looking at your beliefs it's looking at your values it's looking at the systems that you've put yourself into that actually aren't yours and don't work um whether that be your family system friendship system and all of that so it yeah your wild unleashing your wild is is stepping into what is so true for you and you have to be so honest with yourself like so honest (laughs) and I think that's the hardest part people find it they they struggle with being honest with themselves they can be honest with other people as far as who they think that person is Mm -hmm. but how about yourself like can you can you put the mirror on yourself and say actually, I don't like this or I love this and be okay with that. Be okay with that. I I guess for me, I I love to express myself through self-portraits, through image. I share portraits of myself. That feeds me. That's helped me um, enjoy my body, appreciate my body, accept my body, especially in its changing times. Like I'm in another season of my life. I'm going into another space. Um, So my body's constantly changing and that allows me to accept it. So for other, some people seeing me put images up can spark something like, who does she think she is? Like, you know, everyone will have an opinion, mm-hmm. but you've got to get to a point where you go, well, this is who, what lights me up. And my life is more important than what other people think. 
So, so three ways, a couple of ways that you could do um, what I um, recommend to my clients to do is on one page is writing down what is no longer working um, and just keep writing because <laughs> a lot of things that aren't working. And then on another page, write down everything that is working. So whatever is working, continue. Like in your life, what's not working. Yeah, and it doesn't okay. make it big or small, anything. Um, and what is working, so do more of what's what's working in your life. Keep doing that. And what's not working, that there gives you action steps to get into alignment. And it could be simple things like, um, I'd say start small, start on one thing. And it could be like, you know, I'm just going to bed really late and I'm so tired in the morning. Well, you can change that in an instant and say, well, I'm going to go to bed at this time. That, that That's something really small that you can do straight away. But there'll be other things on that list that are not working, such as a relationship of some kind. That's going to take more effort, conversations that you don't want to have. And that's where you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. So that's one. The other one I said before was just really listen to your body. Learn your body. Learn how it feels, the sensations. Um, so you don't have to keep looking outside of yourself for what your body needs and what you need in your life. Um, and another one is get really curious about life. Really curious because when something sparks your curiosity, it's asking you to step forward towards that even more so. And sometimes it's just one little step to go, oh, I want to, oh, there's that person. I want to go and talk to them. So you have a conversation. Then you realize in that conversation, oh, okay, then maybe not quite for me. That's okay. But I got curious, mm. followed the curiosity. Now I can carry on and step back into something else. Or it takes you into even more so, you know, that one conversation can turn into something else. But just, yeah, always follow that curiosity. I think when we stay in our own little boxes, we stop learning. Um, life can get a bit stale. <laughs> and so curiosity brings a little bit more excitement, um, spontaneity, yeah, all of that can come forward yeah opportunity. I imagine when you explained what unleashing your wild meant I imagine some of the audience they would have a sigh of relief when you said you know it's right it can be writing or it can be um it doesn't have to be jumping off a cliff with what you said because unleashing your wild makes them makes me feel like oh you know do I have to like race do I go on a race track and try some yeah. bungee jumping and yeah. it's the same thing when I talk about upping your brave I say same thing to people upping your brave doesn't have to be some adrenaline pursuit so yes unleashing your wild can be just whatever you feel so called to do so to our listeners I would love to know we would love to know what do you, what does unleashing your wild look like to you if you care to tell us you can send us a text 2057 on the text or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. We can possibly read it out or you can just let me know what Unleashing Your Wild looks like to you. So I guess, Charmaine, when you work with people, you know, and I imagine you ask them things like, what does Unleashing Your Wild look like? I imagine there's some resistance. How can we encourage people to then go ahead and take action or become or do that thing that they, they feel called to do, but there might be so many reasons or um, reservations about it? You can't shift someone into action. No matter how much you try, you can suggest things, but they have to come to that point themselves. And so really it's just a support and you can guide them through it. 
so for instance, a lot of the time people say, you know, this is my world, this is what I want to do, but I can't because of mm-hmm. this person or this, I can't because I've got my kids or I can't because they stop themselves from finding a way. Mm-hmm. So then we can look at their days, their life, how they spend their time, and we can find a way where they can actually make time or it may mean, okay, I have to have a conversation with my partner to say, this is what I want to do. Let's tag team. You have the kids, da, 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 you know, and sometimes they can go into deeper conversations with their partner and some more things unfold. So you cannot force anyone to go and take the action. They have to get to that place themselves. And um, you just have to be there to support them and guide them through any questions that they come up against and guide them through that and go, well, there's this way or there's this way. And what's how are you feeling? And what's your body thinking? What, what Yeah, getting them to trust themselves because I don't want to give, I can't give them the answers. Mm-hmm. They have to find also those answers for themselves. Because my way might not be their way. I can suggest things, but everyone has to come to that conclusion themselves and that action stepping themselves. Yeah. But I think when when you've got someone walking alongside you, yeah, you're doing it yourself, they automatically start to do it anyway. Like they'll just do one little step and that yeah. one little step gives them the confidence. Okay. Oh, I did that. Okay. Or maybe what else? What yeah. else? I had one lady, she um always wanted to wear scarves because it was part of her history in her family. Um, And just wearing a simple scarf was huge for her. And she just wore it for herself, by herself. (laughs) And then the next step was to wear it in front of her husband. So she did that. She got his feedback or whatever he... Are we talking about on her head, not around her head? head. Scarf on her head, yeah. And then the next step was wearing it in front of her whole family. And then the next step was wearing it in front of her friends, you know, it was just one step at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's literally just taking one little step and going, oh, okay, I managed that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next step? But, you know, a scarf, just some people would be like, oh, that's just, it's just a scarf. But to yeah. her, it was like she was putting something massive on her head yes. and she was going to be so seen, you know. Very symbolic. It's interesting because when you were explaining to me earlier, I was thinking the vision that I had was like, it's like you're ask, just asking the right questions. And as you do that and they answer them because the knowledge is within these little lights pop up, you know, it's almost like this pathway, but it's dark, but there's lights and they're kind of motion detect motion sensored lighting. And as they take that one step, you know, and you ask another question, the next light pops up to guide them. Yeah. And I think, I mean, do you find that people now after these last three years, particularly are more inclined to unleash their wild than maybe they would have been before? They are. Yeah. I have so many conversations with people that are stepping towards their truth, their wild, because they know it feeds them. They know how much, how light they feel afterwards, um, how energized they also feel. Uh, yeah, they they feel the difference inside and they f- see the difference around them with their kids and things like that. I think we have to show, we have to step up and do that so our kids can follow along as well. Um, I have this one thing of it's like, show, don't tell. <laughs> you can't just get tell people, but you're not doing it. You've got to just do it yourself and then people will just come along for the ride if they wish to. And it just, yeah, inspires them to do it for themselves. So, And yeah. also speaking of human design, whether people have seen those um, interviews or not, but it's like, especially with people like you and I are both generators. So with generators and manifesting generators, it's a more about you just 
doing what lights them up and mm-hmm. being that example, especially for the manifesting generator, being that example. And in doing that, we will therefore inspire people to unleash their own wild if we're unleashing our own wild, right? Yeah. We don't have to go tell them what to do, but just by doing it ourselves, like that's what you're doing. I feel like by you putting it out there and doing your thing, you're inspiring other people to do it in their own way, which might not be writing or dancing or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's in yeah. your way. And it comes through in your energy. And that's for us it come, in generators, it comes through in our energy because when we're doing something that we don't like, you can tell we are so depleted <laughs> and drained. And um, yeah, when I, I, I'm probably not the best person to be around when I'm doing something that I don't like, you know, I just, yeah. But when I'm, when I'm lit up, I'm lit up. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a three, five generator. Okay. Yeah. Any and comments? Two. <laughs> <laughs> Any comments? The three. So the three and the six are similar, the trial and error stage. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you're a trial and error. I'm a trial and error because mine as a six splits into the three to start with. So I'm a three most of my life until my thirties. <laughs> and that is so true. So true. I had so, I've had so many trial and errors. And, and I think that's why um, the work that I'm doing now that I'm so dedicated to my life experiences have brought me here because I've had so many trial and errors. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm always learning more, you know, about human design. And so three, five generator, from my understanding, um, the great life experimenter, you know, having to go through the trials and tribulations and not just read about them, but actually have highs and lows and, and challenges. And I haven't had many until we moved to New Zealand, earthquake, my son had alopecia, those would probably be my big ones, and then COVID and how much stress that's put on my family situation. Um, but recently, someone said to me, oh, three, five, yeah, the breaker of bonds. And I said, what? They said, you know, the bond breaker. What are you talking about? And 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 then the, anyway, and they were like, yeah, you're like the breaker upper. I'm like, oh my god, I was the breaker upper. And I, it went with all my boyfriends, and there were five of them before my husband. I was like, I was definitely the one that was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done <laughs> now. You know, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> I'm moving on. <laughs> so interesting. Oh, it's so fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but also with your wild, it's kind of like um, you start to learn boundaries. All of that in it. You start to go, actually, no, no more Mm. of this, no more of this. Let's talk about boundaries then, because they can be so pivotal, especially for, and I know you and I work mostly with women, but my audience is men and women, but especially for moms, of course, because we always put the kids first um, to a certain, (laughs) till a certain age and stage. Yeah. Let's talk about boundaries. How have you found that boundaries, like how can boundaries really change things for somebody in terms of their own empowerment and in terms of aligning with their own truth? Because you you gain more energy back from that. Because if you keep going over the line and um, doing what isn't for you, doesn't light you up, compromising yourself for others, you're going to lack energy. You're going to have resentment, hatred, anger, frustration, all of that comes into it. Now, frustration, anger, all of that is not wrong, but it's your signpost to say something needs to change. Mm -hmm. And um, so again, go back to your body. What sensation is your body telling you? Uh, That will tell you, oh, I need to put a boundary in place here. And whether that's with your time, with what you have to give, (laughs) your space, anything, um, if it curdles you, that's a sign to say <laughs> I need to, I need to put a change in place. 
and like it can be in so many different ways. So I've got grandkids. Um, I've got three grandkids and I, when my daughter first had her first baby, um, you know, I can't believe you have grandkids. Can I tell you, yeah, you look the same age as when I last saw you, you know, which was probably six years ago. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I I probably, yeah, think differently, but (laughs) thank you. Um, yeah, so yeah, I've got three grandkids, um, five, four and he, the youngest one is three months, but you know, when my daughter first had babies, um, and I was looking after my grandson, I was getting drained because I also have three younger kids myself. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. I need time by myself. I'm a hermit. I need some time by myself. And, um, so I had to put a boundary in place and that was really hard because this is my daughter. I want to help her out. But at the same time, I can't give if I have nothing else left in me. So I had to say, look, when I don't have the kids, I can't have any kids. So I only have my mm-hmm. grandkids if I have my kids. So that's mm-hmm. putting a boundary in place um, to to gain energy back from yeah. myself. So there's so many different ways. Um, if you really don't want to do something, be okay to say no. This is not for me, even if it means you know having it looks like it's no support. Um, you support in a different way. You find the ways that you that light you up to support. Mm. And a lot of people have really struggle with that because they feel like, oh, well, I don't want to let them down or they feel like they have to come up with some sort of excuse. Yes, so think. that's really great. The verbiage that you used, you know, that's not for me or like, thank you for asking. But, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, no for, that's a no for me. <laughs> a lot of women are people pleasers. Yeah. We want to please other people to get them to like us. Yeah. But at the same time, at the, that that time, we're going back on ourselves and that's why we have no time mm-hmm. to do the things that we want to do. You know, I have, you know, I have a busy life, but I find I have more time to do the things I want to do because I say no to things yeah. that just don't light me up anymore. So if that resonates for you, anyone listening, no is the new yes. <laughs> Well, or else, you know what sometimes happens, and this is a phrase, I didn't create it, is generosity burnout. Have you heard of that one? Oh, I haven't heard of that, but it's so yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Gener- so it's it's coming from a place of wanting to help people, and sometimes that's for people pleasers. But um, the generosity burnout, saying yes to any, you know anything and everything, but then it's like you just get exhausted and depleted, and you don't really get to have any time to unleash your own wild. You're so busy helping other people with their lives. It's It's okay to help people. 100% people think, oh, but I, I love to help people. If you love mm-hmm. to help people and it feeds you, do it for the right reasons. Yes. What's your intention going into it? Yes. Is your intention going into it to gain something back or is your intention going into it because you generally love to do this and it feeds you and you don't want anything else in return? Then by all means give because then you have the energy to give. Some people just are big givers. and But yet if your intention is to get something in return or down down the track, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And that's people pleaser in you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People pleaser. And the other thing that came to mind for me there. So my sister lives in America and, you know, the kids over there, right. When they're applying to universities, it's all about your extracurriculars. And like, so a lot of the stuff they do is they call it um, application stuffing or whatever, where they go and volunteer for this organization and sign up for that. But their intention is really like, they're just trying to get, look, it's, you know, it's tragic, but it's kind of, it's become part of their that culture. And it's almost that a checklist. Like they're just ticking exactly. things off so that they can put them on their CV so that they can get into the university. And it's like, gosh, we don't want to train them to live life like that. 
No, we're just letting training them to do what we're trying to untrain ourselves to do. You exactly. Know? Yeah. One thing with my daughter, she, um, you know, after after college, you meant to go to university, and I said to her, unless you know what you want to do, please don't go to university because you're ticking up a debt. Um, go and work. Go and find something, or wait till you know what you want to do. And when you know, generally, that's what you want to do, and you want to study, then go for it. But if not, don't go to university because everyone else is telling you to. Mm-hmm. And she got questioned. We got questioned a lot mm-hmm. for that. And I was like, I don't care what anyone else is doing. This is how we're going to do it. You don't yeah. don't do that to yourself. So yeah, you don't have to have all those qualifications. Well, what a great mother for her to have because, and you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, well, what will people think if you don't go to uni? Like some people would literally. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But we have to put our hand up to that. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Because living to other people's expectations is another drainer. <laughs> yeah. That's so, um, you know, 20, whatever. It's that's so five years ago. Now it's people are more empowered, I think, and ready to come hone in on what is in full alignment for them. So I think that's, so, so important. Um, I'd love to ask you about upping your brave. Um, you've probably done a few things, but um, what is something you've done in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? I guess the selling the house was upping my brave in that respect. Um, end of last year, I put out my second uh, portrait exhibition, 40 over 40, and I chose to do it in the style that I love, and that's black and white portrait work and so I did that um there was kind of no question it's like if you want to be a part of it it's going to be black and white um simplifies it gets rid of all the noise um, I imagine the ladies would love that black and white oh they did they did but some people don't some people okay. love color do you know mm-hmm. what I mean but I want I want to pull out the person and I want to see the person mm-hmm. I don't want to see what she's wearing or what makeup she's having on because that can change how people see you mm-hmm. so I want to see her and you can see that by simplifying it. Um, and then on the night, um, myself and my dance, t- our dance team, we performed, which was so different to perform in front of your friends and family and your clients than it is to dance with other dancers. <laughs> so um, that was real nerve wracking for me to do that. Um, and another one is I just been able to pull back on my portrait work um, to really focus on dedicating my time to more coaching and mentoring. Mm. Um, I'm yeah, very dedicated to making a change in that space. Well, you're having a big impact. I remember seeing a post that you did, maybe it was a Facebook Live, and you were talking about um, even going to a, like a networking event or something, and you're used to being the photographer, you know, and so <laughs> you're used to hiding behind your camera. And you said it was just really confrontational to like, not stand there with a drink in your hand, not stand there with a camera in your hand. Can you comment on that? Yeah, we hide behind so many things in life to escape from what we really want. Yeah. And, you know, back then it was I wanted to connect with people more because I love community. That's a part of who I am. And yet I was so scared of it, (laughs) but I wanted to step into it. So, yeah, I hid behind my camera. I hid behind holding a drink. I hid behind a lot of things. And I think in life people can hide behind their children, hide behind their partners, Mm. uh, hide behind their work instead of coming out and being themselves um, and doing what they really want to do. It's amazing when you talk to people, the things that they want to do and they think, but it's so different to how other people are doing it or I won't be accepted. I won't feel like I belong somewhere because they feel so different. I'm like, just come out. 
come yeah. out. Just yeah. Come so out. what are we, what are you, I'm asking people if they're, if you're willing to reflect, what are you hiding behind? And if you put that down, that drink, that camera, that whatever. Yeah. Who would you be? Who are How you? Cool. Yeah. 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 What is something on your bucket list? Something that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we could possibly help you with? Yeah. That you'd have. Yeah. That's sort of thinking. So Besides going to Croatia where my family originated from, <laughs> um, it would be... Oh, I've got a great friend, Simone, who is Kiwi, but she moved... Yeah, same. She, she actually okay. went there for the past year. She's still there. Oh, amazing. Because yeah. I'm loving it. Who hasn't been. <laughs> so I'm very keen to go there. Um, but the other thing, I guess, on my bucket list is definitely building a community like um, of those who want to be so honest with themselves and step step towards their truth like I'm yeah that is on my high priority list is to build build a community around that amazing Mm -hmm. I think people will step right up for that they're ready (laughs) keep us posted well what is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people connect if they want to learn more maybe they want to get photos maybe they want to have you help them unleash their wild yeah yeah so I do have um on the 24th of September it's a free training for Unleash Your Wild. Uh, so you can join that. Uh, it will be recorded so you can get hold of the recording afterwards as well if um, you can't make it to the live training. And how to connect with me, you can listen to my podcast, The Art of Raw, Wild and Free, uh, where I just yeah take you through any of my musings, insights that come to me. Uh, where is that? Is that Spotify? On Spotify uh, and yeah, most of the podcasts. Okay. Yep. And you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, Charmaine Marinkovich. Do you want me to spell that? I do. Can you spell it? Okay, Charmaine. C-H-A-R-M-A-I-N-E. Marinkovich, M-A-R-I-N-K-O-V-I-C-H. It's a very long name. (laughs) And is that your website as well? That's my website as well. Yeah. Dot what? Dot co.nz. Okay. Charmaine Marinkovich, dot co.nz. For people to find out more. That's amazing. All right. Before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners today? Um, just to go, just, just to what I said before, um, that, you know, listen to your heart, you know, what's on your heart, if it's right or wrong for you and do your best to start following that and be yeah, really honest with yourself. You know, you know already that one thing that keeps popping into your head over and over and over <laughs> again will never leave you until you answer it. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been great. And thank you everyone for listening. What an awesome interview with Charmaine Marinkovich. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you gleaned some gold as well. I love her vibe. And of course, it's so aligned with my message here at Up Your Brave. Uh, You can learn more about Charmaine, charmainemarinkovich.co.nz. And she has a podcast, The Art of Raw, Wild and Free on Spotify. We talked about how our body is our messenger, uh, how to let go of things that are lacking energy that are leaking sorry how to let go of things that are leaking energy and so much more if you want to learn more about charmaine you can definitely check her out she's also on instagram you're listening to up your brave on rcr reality check radio
Hello, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And my next guest is Tanya Unkovich. She is a speaker, an author, a mentor, and candidate for New Zealand First in the Epsom electorate. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic of going from grief to greatness. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Good morning. Nice to be here. I know. I'm so thrilled we're finally meeting for the first time. I mean, we've messaged each other over the past, I don't know, five or six years, multiple times, but we're finally getting to connect. Yes, yes. Isn't it strange how we do this, right? (laughs) Well, I'm excited to share some of your journey and also talk to you about the very topical topic of politics today. For those of you that don't know Tanya, she was actually born in Dargaville, Northland, Um, the first generation of New Zealanders. Her parents come from Croatia. And over the past 40 years, Tanya has amassed personal and life experience doing a Bachelor of Commerce degree at Auckland Uni back in the 80s. And she also became a member of the NZ Institute of Chartered Accountants and then working for Air New Zealand. I love how your journey has brought you so many places. She is no stranger to adversity and overcoming adversity and the importance of building resilience, which instigated a pivot in her career towards the area of mental health. Since that time, Tanya has authored four books, spoken to large audiences, and become an international personal and business mentor. Her love of writing has seen her published in numerous publications over the years, both internationally and and nationally. Uh, And today, what drives Tanya is her passion for increased awareness and solutions around mental health. Um, And that is one of the drivers that led her to stand for the New Zealand First Party and enter the public service on a greater scale. Well, that is quite an undertaking. Um, Before we dive into the political side of things, I would love if you could share a little bit with us around your journey, your backstory, I suppose it is, from grief to greatness. Mm. Well, it's not one that I planned, as you can imagine. No one wants to plan grief in your life, but really it was grief that led me to go from being an accountant, being in the area of commerce, to then studying to be a therapist. And I did that in my mid-30s because I was facing the journey of infertility with my then husband, Phil. But leading up to that time, I, you know, I had a lot of troubles as a teenager. And even in my 20s, I really struggled with certain areas of my life, which we can talk about later. But it wasn't until I really had to face grief head on, the grief of not being able to have my own children. And, you know, for a Croatian, that's a really tough thing because we breed. (laughs) And uh, not being able to have my children was a very pivotal moment in my life. And that was what led me to go and study to be a therapist. And I really specialized in the area of grief. And then coincidentally, over the next few years, I had so many people around me being diagnosed or dying of cancer. And both of my parents were diagnosed and thankfully they survived. So it was like me and Phil then at that time, we became like this little central hub where everyone used to come to for support when they were dealing with grief. And it wasn't until my 40th birthday when I gave up on the desire to have babies, I thought I'm too old now, that I realized maybe this is why it all happened because that was when Phil was then diagnosed with cancer and he, he died five months later. So it was like that was a bit of an apprenticeship for me, you know, and at 40, really having to face grief head on like nothing one would ever want in their lives. But it was also during that time that I then had to answer those big questions. Who am I? 
and where am I going? I had to really redefine who I was in the world and what am I here for? So hence the journey from grief to greatness. And over the next decade and a half, it was that was the big discovery. Who am I? What am I here for? How am I going to make meaning and purpose of my life again? How will I contribute back to mankind with everything that life has dealt me and do it with grace? So that is it really from grief to greatness and showing people that actually you can overcome anything and find your own greatness. Well, it's an inspirational story. And I just want to take a moment to send some love, big love to anyone else out there who has struggled with infertility as well. Mm. Because it's a I, tough journey. I am I I can I imagine it would be heartbreaking. Mm. Well, and it also does your head in a little bit too, because every month you go on this real high and then you're on this terrible low. Um, it really was eight years of real struggle and uh, it's the loss of a dream. You know, that's what you're really grieving is the mm. loss of that dream. So yeah, big love to anyone out there who's out there because I know it's not an easy thing. Mm. Well, you've gone on to do amazing things. And now I know to use your words, you've, um, I think you said to me earlier, you're stepping, you know, out of the sidelines and into the arena. Mm. So how does that feel? I mean, here we are. And literally, I'm going to publish this, you know, a couple days after we're recording it. So it's hot off the press, everybody. How are you feeling at the moment? Like, I know it's a bit of a, um, must be very busy and hectic in the lead mm. up to the election. How is it going for you? I'm really enjoying the journey, if I'm to be honest. I'm really enjoying it. I really wanted a challenge. And so this is very much stepping out of my comfort zone. But I'm also one of these people that goes, you know, Tanya, you want to be at the end of your life and go back. I'm really glad I did that. And I'm living one of those moments now. So whenever I feel discomfort, I think of that. But I also think of Winston Peters, who's 20 years older than me, and yeah. he's just out there doing it hard. So I think of that and then I get back up again. So it is hard work, no doubt about it. Uh, emotionally, sometimes you do go up and down a little bit uh, because it, it it does get tiring. So when you're tired, you feel a little bit disempowered, but you just get back up again. And, you know, if I was to summarize it, I am really enjoying it. I am really finding it quite exhilarating. Well, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. I, I just the other day, I actually sent my parents, they live in Wellington, and I sent them that the video of Winston doing the if poem, which some of my oh, listeners know I did the if poem about a week or so before um, Winston did it, did it. So it's been a topical topic. But uh, yeah, no, they enjoyed that as well. So how so you're you're in the midst of it, you're actually coming, we're coming to the to the end of it soon. How are you guys? What response are you getting? Because obviously, you're one of the smaller parties. I'd mm. love to know this is a multi pronged question. What response are you getting from the public? What response mm. are you getting from the other media? Not a lot of response from the other media. I have to be honest with you there. I'm really surprised that uh, they do not publish much at all. It's interesting to be on the other side. I notice that the photos that they, I always say that New Zealand First is not full of grumpy old men. There's lots of women in the party and we've all got big hair. And uh, funny, <laughs> I said that at a rest home the other day and blow me down, they showed up. These um, lovely people from the rest home came to one of Winston's meetings in Remy Ware and he said, I actually had to come and have some proof that there were young women there with big hair. And he said, I'm pleasantly surprised. So the media aren't publishing that 
that though. I'm finding that they're taking photos of everyone who's say 70, 80 plus, God bless them, but yeah. not taking too many photos of us young people. So that's really interesting. Uh, not publishing a lot of favorable stuff, but you know, it's what you feel in the room when you are talking to the people that matters and the rooms are full and people come up to me in some way apologetically saying, I don't want to say this too loud, but I'm going to vote for New Zealand first. So it's really interesting. People don't want to go out there and admit it, but they're actually quietly, there's this groundswell of uh, support for New Zealand first. And I think there's going to be a beautiful surprise on October the 14th. Yeah, well, that's I'm feeling that too. I mean, I'm I'm obviously quite busy in the the Telegram space. You know, I I, I my my people are truther, freedom fighter, anti mandate type people, and a yeah. lot of them are talking a lot about New Zealand first as well as a really, um, not strategic option, but like, uh, you know, a really solid option. I would say in terms of where to put their vote. For me, I don't know if my listeners know this, but I am a long time. I've only ever voted Green Party. I've been in New Zealand for 27 years. And um, given the experience during COVID, if there was any party that should have made a stand for human rights, it was them. And so they totally lost my support. And since then, they've just gone all woke and crazy, like a lot of like labor and such. So um, it's been interesting. Um, What is what is New Zealand? Talk to us for those that don't know what your policies are. If you could sum up a few things that what is New Zealand First all about, and if we vote for them in our electorate and possibly party vote as well, you know, let's go with both. What are we hoping to get? Well, look at the name, New Zealand First. They put all New Zealanders first. And they are very much about a party of unity, not segregating. They are very much, you know, there's that saying, a house divided cannot stand. What's the point in building a strong economy if the people are squabbling and separated? And that was one of the things that brought me to New Zealand first. I've been a blue voter all of my life. And it was during 2020, 2021 in particular. uh, I was thinking of politics a little bit before then, but it was in 2021 when I saw the segregation happening within our country and that we had no, no one standing for us, the people as a whole, that I then investigated New Zealand first. And within hours of reading their website, two things happened. I went, why on earth have you not voted for this party before? Because I saw how centrist they were. And I thought, gosh, you're actually quite a centre girl. Um, But also, I just knew that they were sticking up for all of the people. And I couldn't believe that I'd never gone back and researched before I did my vote. I just blindly went and ticked the same two boxes that I've ticked all of my life without knowing what I was ticking for. And this was a big eye opener for me. I thought, you know, you're an intelligent woman, Tanya yet you've just followed the crowd or followed what you thought you should do. And when I finally read everything that New Zealand First stood for, they basically for me, the big thing is unity, peace. I know it sounds a bit woo-woo, but without unity, without togetherness, uh, what's it worth? What's it all worth if we're, we're all squabbling and separated and fighting and can't get on, you know? So what I loved about Winston was he did go and speak to the protesters. He does try and bring us all together. He does listen to us all. Gosh, can you hear me going on and on <laughs> about why I love New Zealand first? <laughs> I can. And it's interesting because, like I said, you and I have met only through Messenger um, yes. over the years. And when you and I jumped on today, I thought, wow, like these are the words that jumped out at me, like, um, you know, confident, 
and genuine and but I feel like you're very strong you know and mm. I when I think of I guess Winston Peters he is the the face of New Zealand first but like you said there's so many more people in the party but when yes. I think of him I do think charismatic you know and yeah. a bit of a charmer uh but also he the thing I like about him is he doesn't seem to care as much what other people think like he and he'll stand strong he'll stand up and he'll mm. you know get in the ring and you I feel like you have that energy too I feel like you really are well matched to New Zealand first. I don't know a lot about national. All I know is someone said the other day, I wish they would just do what it says on the, on the box, you know, yeah. like, because they're not really for New Zealand. They're not really national anymore. They're more like globalist. <laughs> so it's interesting. What about you personally? What, I know you care a lot about mental health. What are some things that you would love to see um, changes made or things brought in um, if you do get in? And I know you're, I think you said to me earlier, number eight on the list, which is very, there's it's, there's potential right. there. Yeah, there is potential there. I think we need over 6% and I'll be in. So of course we want more than that, everyone. Um, what are some of the things that I would like to see? Well, the things that Winston is talking about actually He's openly talking about reclaiming democracy. We're losing it. Stop separating the people. Stop putting a wedge in between the people. And that is what so many people are out there doing. And yeah, I will say it, the media does it as well with what mm -hmm. they, they publish. It separates people. It doesn't create an environment of unity. He... He wants to fix problems that can be fixed straight away. We don't need to wait for X amount of doctors to be trained or for an, a new hospital to be built. We can bring thousands of health workers back in next week if we drop those silly mandates. You know, practical, common sense stuff. I know it'll be great to have all these nice roads built, but everyone get off your chuff and let's fix the potholes. Let's do some of these things that can be fixed very quickly instead of dangling this nice, bright, shiny thing in the future. Winston talks about basic common sense stuff that uh, can be fixed within months. And uh, I was going to say something else then, but it'll come back to me. So yeah, I was asking about mental health as like something that you personally have um, a lot of concern about. Yes. Well, with regards to the mental health, he will support the Gumboot Friday cause. He will look into the where did this 1.9 billion go to that was allocated for mental health. He will. He is listening to the people who have been damaged with the vaccine and things like that. People who are suffering physically and mentally, people who have lost their jobs, who are still mandated out of work and are being treated like second-class citizens. That is all affecting everyone's mental health. It affects my mental health, seeing what one human being is doing to another. He's going to put a stop to that. And all we want, all some of these people want, is they want to be heard and Winston's hearing them. That's why we have therapists. They just need to be heard. And Winston is one politician who is listening to all people. What about because I what about the therapeutics bill? What about three waters? What about investigating what happened during COVID? Any comment on that regarding New Zealand first sense? Uh, well, governance? that's part of the reason why I'm with them. I'm someone who's taken vitamins for the last thirty years, and uh, you, I've got a stack full of stuff, and that's why I feel that I'm so healthy as I take care of my health and I supplement. And the thought of that not 
being able to continue is just horrifying. And I know Winston is going to turn that around. He'll repeal the therapeutics um, bill. He will, uh, now what were the other two? The three waters. He's going to stop that. He's so against the separatism and the co-governance. And oh, you mentioned a third one. Remind yeah, me. the other one was so investigating what happened during oh, COVID, and then I COVID. yeah, and I and the co-governments. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, no, investigating. He's going to do a full inquiry, just like the Albanese has just also said. He's probably copying Winston. Actually, Albanese has also in Australia said mm-hmm. we're going to do this. But look, you don't need to look far to see that actually everything they did was pretty bad. Um, we can see it already. I mean, we all saw very early in 2021 that. Uh, Things weren't the way they were being told to us. So, yeah, you didn't need to be a rocket scientist to see that, really, you know. So Winston wants to get to the truth, and I don't think it's going to take much for us to see the truth. And I mean, I personally think a lot more people are seeing the truth. The other week when I did my interviews, if you guys missed it, I talked about um, River of Freedom. I talked to Mark Lapwood, who is the cinematographer. Um, And of course, as you mentioned, Winston was the only politician that came and talked to the people. Two more Mm. issues I'd love to ask you about, just so our listeners who might not have done all their research um, can quickly get a handle on generally what is New Zealand First all about. Because many people like you used to do would just go and do as they've previously done, right? They just follow, they just wouldn't read the brochures or they just be like, yep, I'm blue, I'm red you know, me, I'm green. Like, and I was very involved. I actually stood, I was number, I think 23 on the list back in 2005. I was the Christchurch central candidate. So I know all about being on the political panel. Um, so good on you. Number one, good on you for putting your, your hat in the ring. And I know it's uh, quite an undertaking, but two under two other issues I'd love to ask about the whole transgender, um, and sexual ideology in schools thing, the stance of New Zealand first, and then climate change. Yeah, well, New Zealand First are very much about client adaptation. They don't go, you know, some people are saying, oh, you're anti-climate change. That's not the case at all. It's about anti-fear, to be perfectly honest. Stop the alarmism and stop pushing fear. The people have already had enough fear pushed into them these past few years, and it has divided people. And now here we have another topic, climate change, global warming, whatever you call it, is another topic to divide people. And there is so much fear and alarmism that is being pushed. And that is what New Zealand First actually don't want. They actually say, yes, the climate's been changing. It has been changing for goodness how many years, but let's adapt to it. Let's actually do something about the slash. Let's do something about the potholes that are created from these climate events. And that's part of the things that uh, the Provincial Growth Fund has been used for is to create stop banks and things like that whenever we have these big weather events. But stop pushing the fear. So that is what I really like about their stance on climate change. And the other one is the um, the bathroom situation, right? And yeah. the sex education in schools. Well, one of our policies is to remove that from the schools, especially for primary schools, and also for any bathrooms going forward to ensure that there is a unisex bathroom there. And, you know, so many people are saying, oh, he's transphobic, it's just this and that. No, it's not at all. It's about protecting all New Zealanders, even those people who are transgender, et cetera. It's about protecting them 
so that they've got their own bathroom and protecting women and protecting men. It's about protecting everyone. But unfortunately, what gets grabbed is a soundbite and then a narrative is pushed and then that narrative continues to get pushed. And it's actually not true. Just because it's pushed doesn't mean it's not uh, doesn't mean that it's true. So yes, those are those are two items that uh, for, uh, also attract me to New Zealand first. Take care of all of us. I think. I mean, I'm I am an optimist. This is true, but I think more and more people are cottoning on to you know the just the way that the media can slant things. Like you said, you know, someone will say something, they'll grab a soundbite and they'll misrepresent it. Yes. Um, you know, like, it, 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 I mean, they they did that to me. I was in the stuff, you know, mag, um, twice, two or three articles written about me, taking what I said out of context. You know, the photo that they showed, it like, it, it was me at an amusement park with my kids, but they made it look like I was at the Wellington protest, which unfortunately uh, I wasn't able to go to. But the point right. is, they'll take a photo, they'll take a statement, they'll put it out of context. So I think more and more people in New Zealand are cottoning on to that and mm. that a lot of people's things are get misrepresented. So I would encourage people to do your own homework when it comes to what political bar party you're going to vote for. Don't just go with who you've always gone with. I mean, I think there'll be there's a lot of people that are making a change. They're voting for a different party than they've ever voted for before. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm one of them. (laughs) You know, I'm one of them. And there are a lot of people who are coming up to me quietly and sending me emails saying we are so grateful that you are standing with New Zealand first because we're following you over, which is great. Yeah. And especially, you know, going back to your journey, I mean, especially the journey you've had. Mm. And I also wanted to send you love for your husband, because again, that grief and loss must have been huge for you. And then, you know, dusting yourself off, picking up the pieces, moving on, finding things that fulfill you, which is so Mm. critical. How did you become like the... I know there's a story there around how you became a counselor, because you went from literally being an accountant, (laughs) dealing with numbers over to becoming a counselor. Um, How did that happen? And also, how are those skills helping you, you know, in this new role of being a candidate? Well, um, as a teenager, I struggled with body dysmorphia. And back in those days, you know, some the the terms that were used were anorexia and bulimia. bulimia. You don't hear those terms too much now, do you? But for me, thankfully, I I was never bulimic and I was never... um, that thin that you could call me anorexic. I I had, I suppose, what you call more body dysmorphia. And I used food for comfort. You know, I was a binge eater. But thankfully, I I never knew how to throw up. So that was a bit of a blessing, I suppose. And I never became dangerously thin, but thin enough in order to not menstruate for three years. So I was thin. So that is that is a tough journey. And I'm sure that there's a lot of young people who are going through that today. I know it's rampant. And that kind of morphed into my, my 20s as well, to be honest. I found a 12-step program in my late teens, which was a godsend because I believe that learning that skill of living one day at a time and all of those other amazing things that you learn in a 12-step program have helped me in my life. But uh, that journey with food and the journey of surrender and acceptance and learning to deal with what comes up when you put the food down, whenever you when you eventually stop overeating, the feelings come up and you've got to deal with those feelings. So it took me many, many years to work through that. And then, of course, when Phil died, then, you know, I had to revisit that again. 
So I was a personal development junkie from the age of 16. And I actually took myself off to a therapist when I was 16, interestingly. My parents didn't know, but I knew something wasn't right. I just didn't feel okay about who I was. So it was a big journey of uh, learning how to like who I was, actually. Uh, accepting myself, accepting the whole changes in my body as a young woman. And that was where I became, like I said, a bit of a personal development junkie. And that was a big part of my life. And it was when in my 30s, after a few years of not being able con to conceive, and the grief around that was just, it was Oh, it, it just, I got so stuck, actually. I didn't know how to move forward from that grief. And that was when I decided to go and study to be a therapist. But really, I think my main intention was to learn how to deal with the grief. And then, of course, Phil's death. And that was how that journey happened. It was just from my own adversity. And that's where the, the later books came as well. I've written a book on food freedom, how to overcome that journey. And then, of course, grief to greatness. So, it well, was, I would. What we'll do in a moment when I ask you about how do we connect with you, I would love it if you could share the links or how people can find out more about those sure. books because there are a lot of young people struggling. So, you know, I'd love to talk a bit more about young people. I mean, we look back at growing up and what we struggled with, and now it's such a different world, of course, for them with the social media and yeah. the whole COVID experience with so many kids, not, some of them not being able to go to uni because of the choice that they made, um, etc. Et so, let's, you know, in terms of New Zealand first and the young people, um, do you think they're going to come out and vote? You know how some young people do and don't vote? Yeah, look, I really do hope that they do because it is their future. They, I really do hope that they do. And what's it going to take for them to come out and vote for New Zealand first? Well, know that New Zealand first is very much an advocate for mental health. And Winston has been involved with Mike King's Gumboot Friday, and we will continue to support that. But also to be able to ensure that the young teenagers get the counselling help that they need. Now, if I didn't get the help that I needed at 16, God knows where that would have gone. And some of these young, young ones now, 16, 18, yeah, you're too young to vote at 16, but you know, even as a late teenager, 20, to not be able to get the help if you have got a struggle with food or alcohol or something like that could lead into dire consequences. And I do feel that people are vulnerable when they are struggling like that, they're struggling with shame and especially if it's to do with body dysmorphia. And that's when you go into making silly decisions about, oh, maybe I'm the other gender and things like that, you know, if you're feeling that that way inclined. So Winston is very much about looking at protecting all New Zealanders. That's that's the key, isn't it? Looking all, looking after all of us. Yeah, it is. And just as um, in terms of people and voting, the system in New Zealand, you know, we call it, you know, MMP. And so I read this morning something about um, how National had said, you know, we would we would um, make an agreement with ACT and we would work with New Zealand first as well. What do you what do you what would you love it to look like? What would you love the outcome to be in terms of the numbers and who you guys end up working with? And of course, yourself, if you get in, if that's what you desire. Me personally. Oh, I'd love to see New Zealand First get such a high percentage that we get a whole lot of MPs in because we've got some amazing, amazing candidates who really do care. 
And what a difference that would make. It would be lovely if we um, ended up getting double digits and and took some of those ACT votes. Wouldn't that be fantastic? (laughs) How many Um, candidates, do you know how many candidates you have? We have got a total of not quite 30, but I think in the late 20s. Yeah. So that's a lot. Yeah. And we've got a great team. So... I w- the one I wanted to ask you about, because I know Kirsten Murphy down in Tauranga. I think she's also yes. New Zealand first. Um, yes. Do you get a chance to meet and k- to get to know some of the other candidates or is everyone just like on a mission kind of doing their oh, own Oh, no, thing? We, we meet. No, for sure. We do meet. Absolutely. We've met uh, recently again to do the commercials that you may have seen on television. So, no, we've met there. Uh, they travel long distances. We travel down there as well. And so, no, we do connect. And we connect regularly as well on Zoom and things like that. So, yeah, we're we're very well connected, which is nice. And how has your journey, you know, either the account from accountant to to counselor or all the things you've been through, how has that helped you to be able to do this, to stand, to have the confidence to to speak, um, and to get your message out there? I used to be a coach with Tony Robbins. I was a contract. Uh, life coach and business coach to Tony Robbins. So he has a team all around the world of about 100 coaches. And I was one of them in New Zealand. And to become a Tony Robbins coach, he puts you through three months of what feels like military training. (laughs) And then when you are a coach for Tony Robbins, you are coaching people all day. And you learn the art of how to manage your emotional state. And I've got to be honest and say that those are some of the best skills that I'm now bringing forward into this political arena, because no matter how tired I feel, no matter how nervous I might feel, I'm able to put myself in a state of, come on, Tanya, stand up with certainty and speak your message and speak your truth. So all of that training that I've had and subsequent when training with other groups, and I've got a great team of coaches around the world, and we still all stick together. Those are the best skills, I have to be honest. Mindset is everything. And every now and then, you know, even leading into this, it's like, oh, Tanya, you've not done politics before. But you know what? I've done life. Mm. And I think that is the greatest apprenticeship to go into parliament with. And when, if and when you do get in, is being able to maintain that pace of life and the pressure and showing up daily and everything, everything that goes with it. Hey, I'd love to ask you a few questions that I ask all of my guests. The first one is about upping your brave. And the question is, what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Well, apart from doing this, the political thing, another one was making a decision to write a book within 90 days and have it published within 90 days. And the goal was for the first milestone to actually write the first draft within 30 days. And I got that done. That was my book on food freedom, how to overcome overeating and that sort of thing. I did that uh, about August last year. And it's an experience that I will hold because I made such a decision with certainty that no matter what, you were going to write solidly for 30 days. And I got it done and it's published and it's out there and it's helping people. I feel really proud about that, actually. (laughs) That is amazing. It's such an undertaking. I think a lot of people don't realize how much of an undertaking it is to write a book. Um, but I love the power of this of a sense of a sense of urgency. Yes. Having yes. a deadline, I, you know, and especially uh, when you claim, I mean, I imagine you told people or maybe you were doing a program, but uh, when you tell people I'm going to do this thing by this date, um, then making it happen. 
Oh, absolutely. And if I woke up at one o'clock in the morning and instead of lying in bed for two hours, not being able to sleep, I'd get up and write and I'd go, great, I got a thousand words done. And then I'd go back and sleep peacefully. You know, that's actually how I got it done. When when you're on purpose and when you've got an outcome, you do it come hell or high water, you get things done. That is awesome. What about your bucket list? Is there anything that you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? Oh, I would love to be able to be in Parliament, actually, and make a change and know that by me being in Parliament with uh, a fantastic team with New Zealand First, that we are going to change the direction of this country. And it's going to be a change for life, for all of the young ones out there. We're we're actually going to be part of that change because I believe there's two directions we can go now. One's not great. But the one that we want, New Zealand First, is outstanding. Amazing. Okay, well, I guess it'll we'll, we'll find out on polling day when people go to the polls. But it, but until then, everyone, uh, we have done two hundred uh, interviews on RCR all around politics. So you can go and check those out. Wow. You can if you haven't got the app, our listener, your timing is amazing, Tanya, because our numbers doubled since we got the app last week. Uh so we've had so many people listening um and everyone. So if you haven't listened to some of the other political interviews, definitely go and check those out. As you know, we like to um shine the light and talk about all the issues. Uh but Tanya, how can people connect with you what is coming up for you in the next few weeks with this campaign of course and how can we connect with you in the lead up to the election i am all over social media all over social media so i've got private pages business pages and i've also got a political page so you can see tanya ankovich for epsom that is my political page if you want any resources on any of the work that i've done or past interviews etc then i have a website tanyaunkovich.com i've also got a youtube channel but truly if you google me it'll take you to all of my social media i'm going to spell that for you everybody tanya unkovich it's t a n y a unkovich u n k o v i c h so you can look it. that up you can Google that's, it. That's what most people struggle with, actually, <laughs> is how to spell it. And what have you got on the calendar coming up in the next uh, in the next few weeks? You have lots of engagements yes. or panels. Yes, I have. I've got uh, three panels in the next few days, and I've been visiting retirement villages and rest homes. I have a real love for the seniors, and so I go there actually, and I talk to them, and they a lot of them just love Winston. So I'm doing a lot of that, but there are uh, I'm busy, and I've just had thousands of pamphlets delivered to my doorstep. So I'm getting volunteers organised to go out and deliver those. It is busy, but like I said before, it's great. All right. That's amazing. So um, people can contact you or they can contact their, I guess, their other local New Zealand first person if they want to deliver some pamphlets. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Please. If you want to do a few steps and burn up a few calories, now's the time. (laughs) Before we wrap up, Tanya, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners um, around your own journey, your own message from grief to to greatness um, or anything about New Zealand first that you want to let us know before we go? This was not a journey that I had planned. However, I made a decision and that is the most important thing you can do. What is it that you really want? 
and then you decide. Once you've made a decision, you can actually do anything that you really, really want. And for me, it is about now contributing to mankind on a much greater scale. God willing, I'll be in parliament to help you. So this is the most important election of our lifetime. I encourage you to go out there and vote because you're voting for your future. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are so welcome. And thank you, everyone, for listening. By the way, we would love to hear your thoughts on this interview. And of course, any political thoughts that you've got, you're welcome to send them in to me. Um, you can text 2057, that's 2057 on text, or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. We'd love to hear from you. Always good to hear from somebody who's you know standing for the election. The election is coming up so fast, but also to get a little window into who they are, which is really, I think, really important as well. Uh, so that we heard a lot from Tanya, tanyaunkovich.com. You can check her out. You can, of course, go and do your research. Go and see what the NZ First, New Zealand First Party is all about. Uh, a lot of people are not voting for their usual. They're kind of mixing it up. I know I'm definitely mixing it up. Um, in this interview, we talked about a lot of things, going, uh, focusing on unity instead of division, stopping the push, the fear and alarm, uh, fear and alarmism that's going on. We also heard about um, New Zealand First's perspectives on important issues like the therapeutics bill, on um, investigating the COVID uh, chaos, as I'm going to call it, uh, the, the gender ideology stuff that's getting pushed right now at the moment, and much, much more. So you can go and check out their policies. And also, you know, obviously, check out all the other parties as well. Coming up next week, I will be talking to Steve Oliver from the NZ Loyal. And of course, we've done 200 plus episodes, uh, interviews on with politicians between Paul and Peter and uh, Cam. So definitely go and check those out. I also wanted to do a quick shout out to all the people across New Zealand who are working hard, volunteering their time in the lead up to the election. And I'm not just talking about candidates. I'm talking about the volunteers, you know, organizing events, putting out the chairs, handing out the flyers, you know, all the things. But I also want to remind you to not put all your hopes in the election basket. I mean, the election is important, It's, but it is a piece of the puzzle of what we are all navigating and what we're all creating at the moment. Because remember, your thoughts, these are my views, your thoughts, your fears, they all play a part as well. So I think, you know, absorbing all the things that we hear on TV and on technology, but taking it all with a grain of salt is really important. And of course, of course, living life from an empowered place, not waiting for somebody else to save the day, but showing up and, and of course, coming back to your own sovereignty. Those are my views on things. Want an easier way to listen to RCR? Well, you can now download the brand new Reality Check radio app, both on iOS and Android. We've completed our beta testing and the app is now live. You can visit the App Stores direct or find out all you need to know at www.realitycheck.radio forward slash app. That's at realitycheck.radio forward slash app. Our test bunnies have been hard at play to ensure you have access to everything from listening to our live broadcast, downloading some of our incredible interviews and checking out the latest blogs all from the very same app. So get listening and download the RCR app now. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. I am your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and next I'm talking to Aston Garrett on the topic of using social media to help the mental health of our nation. What an incredible topic. I'm so excited to dive in. Welcome, Aston, to the show. 
Thank you for having me. So good. I'm excited. I know you're doing a bunch of research at the moment. Before we dive into that, uh, for those of you that haven't met Aston before, Aston Garrett is completing her second master's degree in psychology and aims to spend her next five years researching New Zealanders' mental health seeking behavior in social media. She's currently conducting a pilot research for a larger five-year doctoral study in which she hopes to run a nationwide mental health campaign using social media posts shorts, short reels to see if it can make a positive impact on the mental health of her nation. In this age of technology, where we now possess mobile handheld devices giving us 24-7 access to the internet and social media, there's a huge potential to utilize this technology for good. Social media offers a very affordable and accessible means to quickly and easily disseminate psychoeducation to the nation, potentially decreasing the stigma of mental health while increasing mental health literacy and the ability to know when and how to seek help. Well, it certainly is a topical topic um, for, for, you know, all sorts of reasons. You know, you and I, I'm in, I'm in business. I use social media. I started off as a social media coach many, many moons ago. Uh, but of course, now I've got teenagers. So there's things that every one of our listeners is going to want to to tune into this episode and learn. Hey, Aston, before we dive into all of that, can you let us know how did you come to this point? How did you get into this work and this research? Well, I started my psychology undergrad degree 20 years ago. And, um, I, you know, like when you go to university when you're young, you don't know what you want to do. And they said to keep it open. And I was just always fascinated uh, with my with the mind. And so I did that. And then, but I'd kind of go off on these tangents as young people do. And then I found myself 10 years ago coming back and doing the first year of the master's, um, which was my second master's degree. My first master's was in screen production. So, alongside this life of, you know, being in, of the scientific mind uh, and all the science degrees, I also did a master's in arts. And, and with screen production, we literally watched social media evolve. Um, I, I remember Facebook kind of came out after, oh, it was between my graduate diploma and master's and then and then the next, you know, we had like, uh, what do we have? MySpace. We had all these social medias and then uh, after my master's then I believe Instagram came out and then a while after then TikTok and you just started to see how much this technology started kind of really taking not well yeah taking over our lives and and I remember when I was you know young it was like we were excited to get our first cell phone and now we've all got these incredible smartphones I mean here's another example um, when I was doing my first master's in screen production it was such a big deal to shoot on a 4k camera like it was the we were the first film school in the world that um that had one of these and it was what they shot what um Peter Jackson shot the Lord of the Rings film on and we couldn't even edit them and we had to it downgrade it to uh height definition edit it and then and then spit it out and there was not really anything that we could screen this 4K stuff on and now we've all got this technology in our hands not just like one camera but even our selfie cameras facing back at us the low grade cameras are 4K and now we can all you know edit 4K in our phones and so really as these smartphone devices have kind of come into our world it's given us this technology that Yes, I will admit, and most people instantly think, oh, social media, it's it's bad. You can get addicted and things like that. But there are actually some really, really positive aspects to it. And so 
yeah, I particularly through COVID when we really watched the mental health of the nation change. I think a lot of people in that stage, went, once they realized they were really locked down and isolated, was turning to social media. And it's it's really become part of our lives. And so I kind of thought at one point, I was like, well, I've got all this fascinating stuff on t- psychology. So why don't I put out these little shorts and reels and just share some of these tips that I, you know, that I've shared in the past. I used to hold workshops in the community and so on and so forth. Um just sharing psychotherapeutic tools because it was like, why should this information just be for the mentally ill? It's also really helpful for the nation in like a positive psychology sense. And um, yeah, so I started sharing these little reels and just little facts and cognitive bias that if you learn to understand how we operate, you know, life gets a little bit easier or, or we get to understand why we have these emotional reactions and gain a bit con- of control over ourselves. And so the the videos went really well and um i decided to go back to university and finish that other master's degree uh because i just really thought you know what our mental health stats are declining and this is just one real simple easy way that we could possibly do something by i mean imagine just you know a, maybe you could do a set of psychologists or a mixture of people uh, which is what my research is about is you know who who does who do we put in the seat of the mental health influencer and um you know why not try i just think it would be a pretty cool doctoral study to um to literally run a, med- a mental health campaign over i don't know 3 to 5 years well 5 years in total completion but 3 years of actual kind of let's get it out there and see what it does um and it just it's so accessible and easy and so yeah that's kind of where I've come back to and I've uh my research is now in data collection phase so the surveys out there I'm collecting information and um and then with that write up the big thesis and hope to get into the doctoral study where I get to actually put it into action well, I mean, that's a lot to take on. So good on you after that massive hiatus of study. But that's sometimes what happens in life. You know, we follow a path and then we think, actually, this is not for me right now. But then you came back to it, which is amazing. Not out of duty and obligation, but out of an area uh, that really you're passionate about. You're you're concerned, I imagine. Do you know what the stats are at the moment around mental health? I know they have definitely I declined do. over the last few years. What are we looking at? All right. So the latest study... We're, we're kind of overdue for another one. So that there was a study in 2018 and then the next study was in 2021, which was right in, in COVID. So we haven't had anything since. And I would expect that we would have probably increased from 2021. But the last study, which was the general social survey, showed that overall our mental well-being has declined in 2018. And we can see this across a number of areas. So what they found is that the proportions of people who said they felt cheerful and in good spirits, calm and relaxed, active and vigorous, or woke up feeling fresh and rested and had life full of interesting things. So these are five kind of areas of or aspects of well-being. What they found is those positive areas would have were declining significantly since 2018. Meanwhile, the proportion of people indicating they had poor mental well-being uh, increased from 22% in 2018 up to 28% in 2021. So that is more than a quarter of the population at that data point. Uh, point in time indicating that they had uh, were of poor mental well-being 
And we found that the rates of poor mental well-being it rose significantly across all the age groups. Um, they're, they're pretty much like when you look at the graph, there was no age group that hadn't had an increase. And yeah, I you know, we can kind of expect that from COVID. So it is a bit, you know, we are, I'm curious to see what the next data set does come out at. Um, they did find that certain uh, demographics of society had, you know, more of an increase in poor mental well-being. So that was like disabled people were the most. They have like phenomenal rates. I think it's like 56, where is the page here? Mm. I called it up because I knew I was going to want to um, have a look at it. Here we go. Um, disabled people aged 15 to 64 years, 56.2% indicated that they were of poor mental well-being. LGBT was the next uh, 45.7%. Sole parents, I'm one of them, 45.5%. Um, household income, 30 or 1,000 or less of poverty, 37%. And then, interestingly, we get into females. So females in general and females, parents and two-parent families were next. Kind of makes sense, though. Like our hormones don't really help that scale. Like um, biologically, we're probably more prone to, to negative well-being. Um, and then we just get into Māori, male, New Zealand in total, like overall, like the total of New Zealand, 28.2%. Um, and so, yeah, we overall we are kind of declining. And, um, and at the same time, you know, happiness stats are not increasing. Um, I mean, it, it's that's not to say that New Zealand is all you know, bad. There are some, you know, we are actually quite optimistic and, um, you know, a, a number of people when they did the survey, um, seven, at least seven out of 10 indicated that they were happy the previous days. So there are some, you know, like I have given the, the negative side of it, but we, we do have actually, you know, we are going okay. But I guess what you can take from the statistics is that those that aren't well really need some help. Mm. And, um, and what I've, particularly found putting the research out there because it obviously on social media sparks comment is that you know people are like we really need this um our mental health system is shocking like which i wouldn't say it's shocking i would say it's it's challenged um and has plenty of room for improvement but there are some really good services out there yeah, I'd love to talk in a minute about proactive versus reactive things we can do. So giving some practical tips. So just remind me, I'll come back to that. Um, but also acknowledging, so that study was done, or at least published in 2021, which was still amidst the COVID craziness. So obviously, you know, I don't know if people are feeling better now. In I can tell you it was 2023. It was, it was kind of, um, it, it was in between, I think we were out of lockdown, like the data collection, where did I push? Mm. The data collection began on the 1st of April, 2021, a year after the first COVID lockdown. Yeah. So we weren't actually, I don't believe in lockdown at the time. And it finished early on the 17th of August, following the first community outbreak of the Delta variant. Yeah. So they would have possibly captured some that, you know, were like, oh, we're back in lockdown again. Yeah. Um, so it was an unusual study. But at the same time, I guess there were a lot of people that also would be like, we've just been locked down and now we're free. And sometimes these challenges that actually all the time, really they should, the challenges can actually, you know, give us the contrast to make the the good things feel much better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you're right. So I think it's not so much like 
we can think we can attribute the stats to certain things, but the point is that is how people were feeling and how are they feeling today? One thing that I have now, this is not from research. This is only from friends and their own experiences with themselves, their kids, their clients is I, you know, how sometimes with COVID and, and the jab, I've heard that it kind of tends to exacerbate what your weak area. Well, at least this is what I found amongst my, my people. Like when I had quote unquote COVID, I had back pain. Well, back pain is my weak area anyway. Interesting. But I have had a few friends say that their depression came back, you know, so their mental health declined and I'm not talking about lockdown. I don't know what I'm talking about, but maybe the impact of spike proteins or who knows, have you found that is that, you know, people who maybe were doing well, suddenly their depression was worse and other, of course, other medical situations, same thing, but today let's focus on mental health and well-being. Well, I, I think with regards to COVID, um, it, it specifically had a symptom wherein some people it really changed. It really brought on depression and anxiety. I witnessed my housemate when she got it, it was like, I, I remember she had this like long, slow, and I would have, I must have caught it off her. And it was amazed, it amazed me how different, different it yeah. reacted to people. So, what I concluded, and bearing in mind, I was looking for at this from a very scientific mind. I had done, when COVID came out, I had done pharmacology at med school with like final year doctors and pharmacists and things like that, and toxicology and, and within all of that, you know, immunology. And you look at, vaccines and things like that and the technology of it and so you know I was always looking at that and the epidemiological data very scientifically and at the same time with my own lived experiences I was analyzing kind of everyone and asking them for feedback how did it go for you what I found is that it was very genetic dependent so mm. the same strand could pass through different people and have different reactions and like my son and I for example my son had identical reaction to me yet he, I wouldn't have, you know, he's got asthma. He was a kind of high risk and he'd had pneumonia with lung damage. And we were like really kind of worried about it. And when it came on, it didn't even go to his lungs. Like it was just kind of a, a fever and headache and body aches. And, you know, maybe a bit of, uh, once he started getting over, it got really kind of the runny nose and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I, and then you see other people, you know, my housemate, she, I remember saying to her, she just, wouldn't get out of bed and um for a while and I remember after I don't know day seven or eight going look I know you like to sleep we know that but there is something wrong with you I'm sorry like you observing your behavior and and your kind of everyday functioning and she didn't even have a respiratory illness at this time and I just said you you're you've changed and i think there's something up with your mental health and I think you should go to the doctor and sure enough it was literally 24 because she was like oh yeah you know I'm feeling like this and started you know um you know communicating her feelings with me and definitely very anxious and and depressed and then it was like 24 hours after that she then started getting the cold symptoms and it was like oh I think I'm getting a cold and then tested and it was like yep well full-blown COVID so she had this very long um, depression one and then I think subsequent infection so it was like there was very clearly and it did say on the um on the reports that you know depression and anxiety are a symptom of COVID so very much had an impact on mental health for some people and and with the whole sense of long COVID um it's kind of understandable if it had that you know that it can continue sure long COVID or vaccine impacts is in my yeah. view 
I'm going to put yeah. that out there because, um, yeah, that's right. So some people, we all struggled in different ways. We all had challenges in different ways. Um, I would love to talk about some things that, what, what are some things from your research and your own experience? What are some things that people can do to raise their state of mental health and well-being, um, just in general, maybe? And then we'll go on to the social media side of things. Okay. Well, I am a big, big firm believer of mindfulness. If you don't know what mindfulness is, go look it up. These days, you can pretty much find everything for free on the internet or on YouTube. And um, mindfulness, what it does is you're you're basically bringing your state into this whole mind state. You're slowing down. Um, so when we're when we're awake and we're stimulated, we're in beta waves, which are these high frequency and and more disharmonic than than the lower waves. Um, in our state so it could it can be anything from I think 30 to up go quite high and now if you're walking through life and you're constantly thinking of the present and the past and the future and you're like you've got your kids coming at you and you're like and I'm I am an absolute by the way workaholic so this is I'm describing myself I'm not putting other people down but you can get like lots of stimulation and and then what happens is you realize like you're kind of constantly focused and constantly distracted. And I think a lot of, I think mindfulness might fix, it'd be worth doing a study on mindfulness and, and ADHD, or perhaps there isn't, is one, but by slowing down and focusing and, and bringing like having our mind operate more fully. So what happens is we slow our brain down. It's kind of meditation really is the, is the basic way of getting to it. But you can, you can practice mindfulness as you go about your daily life. Like um, you're slowing your brain down into alpha. And by doing that, the brain is able to work together more globally or they call it global coherence because it's able to synchronize with all parts of the brain. And then you're able to use your brain more fully. Um, and what they find is that, you know, coming into that state it just makes everything a bit easier Our, for whatever reasons i mean it, well-being seems to increase uh there's you know there's neurological reasons and so on and so forth and the other thing there's another key aspect of mindfulness beyond the kind of reducing the sensory stimulation you know clearing the thoughts so like one of the things mindfulness is when you get these additional thoughts you just acknowledge them and let them go you don't judge them one of the techniques is like a teflon frying pan imagine an egg on a teflon frying pan. just let life slide past you don't judge it like it is what it is um and then acknowledge it and come back to whatever your point of focus is and it just helps regulate our body it, it helps lower our cortisol levels and so it helps us on a hormonal aspect or level it helps us on a neurological level um and it definitely helps us on an emotional level so mindfulness i i think is almost like the it's like the one thing that you can teach anyone and if they practice that it'll help kind of improve their well-being reduce stress and so on and so forth and then just another kind of fun little thing that i used to do is just teach people about um the way the brain works and in particular the cognitive effect of bias and that's my favorite one to teach and that did you know that two people can walk into the exact same experience and have a polar opposite reaction or have a completely yes. different experience yes and it's because of this cognitive effect of bias and we are biased towards whatever our most dominant mood is um or they call it in mood congruence so like the eternal pessimist will walk into that same experience and they will attend, so that's pay attention, attend to the things that are mood, match their mood congruence, so all the negative things in the environment. And then 
they will perceive them as more negative than they actually are. And then as they're kind of, you know, as you're interacting in your memory and perception, you're also, uh, so you're using your memory and recall. So they will be, they will be perceiving the environment based on their negative memories because they will be recalling only more the negative stuff and then encode it. So it's just this bias towards negativity. Conversely, however, is the positive side of it. So I'm definitely more an optimist. Um, and I walk in, I can walk into like the most dire of, of environments and I just, I just can't help but see the positive. <laughs> and yeah, and you see it more positively than it actually is. And, you know, you've got your positive memories to recall and so on and so forth. So I think if we understand the cognitive effect of bias and, you know, it then makes it, you know, if you are, having a negative experience, you can really judge it for what it is. Like go, actually, there is a chance of me seeing the positivity in this. It's that right now my mind is is kind of a bit more biased towards negativity. And that's because our neurons become what's called labile. They, you know, are more prone to firing up. So yeah, and it and it really kind of gives us <laughs> it makes us responsible for like working on our mood. And 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 the third thing I'd have to say is let your emotions guide you and neurologically it's called the approach withdrawal system and the approach system creates all the physiological reactions that make up an emotion um, based on our parasympathetic and sympathetic system and these um yeah you know we are literally designed to our for our emotions to guide us so when we've you know we're when we're feeling good, our blood flow goes to our, it's our parasympathetic response. Our blood flow goes to our digestive system, digestive system to eat and have sex and like have good time and restore and things like that. And so we approach it. Whereas, you know, and think back to caveman times, you know, you're sitting there and you're looking at a fire with a feast cooking and what are you going to do? You're going to feel good and everything. But then if a tiger comes, for example, and it starts licking his chops at you and your feast, Suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, and your body releases all this cortisol and all these reactions, and then you it primes itself to to survive and fight or flight, and and this is what we're doing every day. Is we, we like those are very extreme examples, but actually these days we our kind of stress systems got a bit disordered because even like for example, like a dog suddenly barking and the household next door can give us a fright and make us jump and put us on edge or, you know, financial stresses or there's so many stresses that we have that aren't actually that stressful, but our poor cortisol systems are firing up. So, you know, like by understanding how we are wired, you know, and and that is that, you know, our emotions should guide us to approach or withdraw from something. Um, and And by knowing that, you know, our our dominant emotion is going to bias our our experience. It kind of lets you know that okay, let me work on this and work out how to get myself into happiness mm. and get myself feeling good. And you can do that with mindfulness. Well, I love that, and, and I love how you come full circle. You've come full circle because I was going to ask you for those that are listening, they might be thinking, oh yes, I'm an you know I'm an optimist, or they might going, oh yeah, I know I am a bit of a pessimist. And it's not that that's who you are and that's how you are and it is what it is. It's like acknowledging and going, oh, yeah, I guess I do tend to see the flaws. And I want to acknowledge for some people that is their strength, meaning they might even have a job in that area where their their job is to look for the safety hazards or the maybe they're an accountant and they have to look for, the, you know, whatever the inconsistencies and things like that. So that is a strength. But if you realize your natural like what was it called your natural bias and you go, I that do is, tend yeah, to be 
cognitive affective bias. Affective affect is the technical bias. term for emotion. Okay, so you re- you yeah. acknowledge your your natural bias state, your cognitive affective bias, but it's like that's not who you are. You can shift that, which I love. So it's coming back to how do we shift it? Mindfulness is one way, and then um, I guess also just looking for you know we talk about looking for the good or seeing the good in different situations. And I do that with my kids, you know, like I call it life lessons with mom, but it's like, if we have a scenario or something happens as it always does, we can kind of debrief it, but we look for the life lessons and you look at what do you, there's always a lesson to learn. There's always something cool that you can take away. And I say, and add to your basket, you know, as you go through life. Um, Let's can I give go, you some more science though? Yeah, give us some more. Quickly, like, this out. is like out there science. That So this is what I did. So my first year of my master's 10 years ago, or my psych master's, um, I specialized in effective neuroscience. And um, there's some really cool trippy science. So the HeartMath Institute, what, okay, what I, what I came across is that, did you know that we react to upcoming emotions, certain upcoming emotions, not all emotions, before the event happens? So we literally transcend time. And so in, in the field of effective neuroscience, we're using like physiology um, technology. So um, psycho they call it psychophysiology techniques. So it's your EMG, your ECG, your EEG, like all the measures of your the what your body's doing, skin conductance, pupillary dilation, um, so on and so forth. And so um, and this is to kind of see where you are on the parasympathetic and sympathetic scale in most instances. And what, because what they find is that emotions are simply a pattern set of physiological response. But what they find is that they have this international effective picture system that they use all around the world to kind of, um, you know, to to experiment on people and, and elicit emotions. And what they found is that the heart would react first to upcoming emotions 10 I don't know. I can never remember if it's milli or microseconds because it was like ten years ago. Um, but let's just say milliseconds for now. I'll just say super um, quick. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, but but ten milliseconds before the event happens, and then from there the brain fires up six milliseconds before the event happens, and then the rest of the all the body triggers up, and they will respond um, like three milliseconds prior. And I'd seen other research around like. EEGs and PET scans and stuff like even BBC like mainstream technology was reporting this like years ago that we you know things that we make our mind up before the event happens we literally are interacting with this world transcending time <laughs> which is which is really interesting so it seems we're connected to this world through the heart because that's what reacts first yes now the other part of interesting information is the heart math institute in the US they did this um measure and what they found is that we've got these two electromagnetic fields um one around the brain and one around the heart and the one around the heart is much stronger i think it's particularly magnetically like five thousand times stronger than the one around the brain and um it radiates in every direction so it's like we're a point of singularity from the heart with this big electromagnetic field and this can be measured without with devices like i think super quantum conductive interference device or something like so really really technical um and currently they've measured them uh i think 12 feet or 15 feet it's like it's all in the us so it's in the in the in their um technology but they predict that it goes a quarter of a mile in every direction and that it's only our technology that is and have you know preventing us from measuring this and but what it shows is that now they would pair people for the sake of a interaction and what they could find that what they found is that with some people you could read 
like we could be paired for you and I could be paired for an interaction uh, for an experiment. We may not even have met each other, but the more connection we have, the stronger the the results they tend to see. Like mothers and children will get very strong result in twins and things like this. But they can literally read your heart field and mine, and my heart field and yours, and your and your ECG response, and my brain and yours, and your brain and mine. And basically, they can we we are really in, interconnected through these electromagnetic heart fields. So. Really what that research kind of was like made me think about back then was that, and so I ended up making my, doing my first year, my thesis was titled Empathy and Extrasensory Perception. So it was literally telepathy yeah. <laughs> I did my my research on, but I chose to do feeling telepathy because I thought, you know, like everyone understands the concept of vibes, but if you start talking about mental telepathy, it's like a bit woo-woo and stuff like that. And so... Yeah, it seems that we have this field that we are radiating. So 400 meters is to put quarter of a mile in, into into our terminology. And so really, if you're living in an apartment building, you are feeling the feelings and the mm. thoughts of all those people who are also in the apartment building. And it really made me think, you know what? We do have a duty, not just to ourselves, but to our society to work on our mental health. And imagine if we all became happier and what impact that would have. And so that's actually what um, took me back to university in 2012 as I, after I had my, the birth of my child, I started waking up with this information I never went to sleep with. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm a genius. I'm a scientist. <laughs> this is what scientists get their information in their sleep. And um, and yeah, I went back to university, but it was literally like, if you make the world happy, if, if, if we just worked on our happiness, so many aspects of society will increase health spending will decrease because our physical health will get better. Productivity would increase. Working like all the negative aspects of society should decrease and the positive aspects of society should increase. So it's kind of set me up with this inherent drive to like, even when I go on my tangents, I come back and be like, okay, let's work on mental health of the nation. It's so, it's so key. And that's really interesting. I love how you were talking about energy. And of course, our energy does affect people, whether we say something or not. And even thinking about housing and thinking about workspace environment, because like you said, if you're in an apartment, you've got all these people around you, we are going to be affected. And in my view, because I do human design, some people more than others will be more highly affected to other people's energy, as well as the environment, meaning mold, air quality, and things like that. Um, but that brings us to social media, because you were talking about, you know, the interactions and the vibe between people. But when we're in, on social media, we are looking at all these people. We are affected by them and often reflecting on ourselves. You know, there's this term comparisonitis, like comparing ourselves to other people, feeling like they've got a better life than me. Their job is more fun than they, mine, et cetera. And we're often doing that in isolation, like not really with another person. So how has... Yeah, let's talk a little bit about social media and mental health, but also the positive things, meaning what can we do about it? So if we are worried about mental health and we're aware of social media, what are some specific things we can do in our daily life or within our family to help our own mental health and well-being? Well, in terms of social media, it's it's really important to... Um, I mean, there's a huge potential to to imagine if you just had like these at your fingertips, like these daily little short videos that even the busy person can ingest something for the day, a tip of the day, take this. Because psychotherapy, when you go to psychotherapy, it, it's it's a long-term process. Like, you know, and people tend to need, need to go, you know, go through it again. And most of us are messed up from our childhood, which is like soft trauma, long 
long trauma that we don't even know is traumatic until we get into our adulthood and we're like, what is wrong with me? And and then you realize, oh, that happened to me when I was a kid and yada, yada, yada. But for as long as it's taken to, you know, wire into us, it takes the same time to anti-wire us. And so therefore it's like, I find a lot of people who want to go to psychotherapy, they're like, I've done that, didn't work. And it's like, you might need to do it again and again and again. It's like a muscle. Same with mindfulness. Everything is like a muscle. If you don't regularly use it, you lose it. And, you know, it's really, ha- when you go to psychotherapy, you typically get like each session you will get something like or a couple of tips and tricks to to absorb and take on and go and practice in your daily life. And so that's where I think social media can be very powerful in that, you know, it's a way to share with the public um, just little tips and trips. They're not overwhelmed. They can just pick something each day and go, let me try and impact that. Um, because, you know, at any point in time and any experience, it's actually just your beliefs and and your your whole experience. Like it's so subjective and and um and you know there you can have incredible power over it um but people just don't realize they they i guess a lot of people aren't so conscious of it and and they can you know they feel a bit of a vulnerability but i found that once i learned how the body functioned when i started to get negative experiences and emotions i'm like oh don't really don't like this I saw it as an opportunity for change I saw it as my body telling me okay what in your environment is bugging you and um you know what can you do about it and sometimes it's the case of going actually you know what this is just a normal cycle my body just needs a break from being happy and you know if we were happy all the time we wouldn't be happy we'd have no point of comparison so we would desensitize to the happiness um so like that's another way for example you can reframe your beliefs around uh negativity or like negative emotions like sadness and so on is that you can kind of be like oh well my body's giving a break from happiness a happiness holiday <laughs> yeah yeah it's like mentalization it's like that's a, is it, that's a cool technique mentalization is like where it, if something bugs you you just think of what's going to make like you'll never know the truth behind it you'll ne- it's usually someone else that's done it you never know like i would the example is always like you're in a shop in the mall and the shopkeeper the the, the tent, checkout attendants like a real bitch to you <laughs> like a real like harsh person to you and then you know it makes you feel bad now you can walk through and continue and continue to let that you let that get you down or you can just sit there and reframe that um and and think okay well what's gonna make me feel better about the situation and then if you think well, maybe her cat's just died or her mother's in hospital or maybe she's just had a breakup with her boyfriend and and she's probably just having a shitty day um, sorry am I allowed to talk <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, you know what I was just thinking yes like you can you can try to figure it out and be like well maybe this happened or that happened can you also though go you know I wish her well gosh she must have had a rough day I and send them blessings like is that gonna do the trick too or do you it, actually it, it's just whatever works for you, mm-hmm. like whatever reframing, because no one's ever going to know the truth behind that situation. You're not going to rock on up back to the shopkeeper and go, look, you're a real nasty to me the other day. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, some people so, would, some people would, you know what? This is fascinating because some people would go straight to the, straight to the manager and they'd complain. And I find that I just find humanity so fascinating. Right. And you know how they say the way you do some things is the way you do everything. So people, some like that type of person that's going to go and complain to the manager because the checkout, you know, that's, and guess what? You'll probably have more negativity come your way. But the person that goes, oh gosh, she must be having a rough day. You know, I wish her well. 
is probably going to have more positivity coming their way. That's just the way I see the world. Mm. I found also when I did mindfulness training, I found that you, when you get into this real contented state, because you can feel positive but excited. And when you have that arousal, it's like the body can't sustain it for long periods of time. So really, to, I feel like the optimal weight, you know, like emotion is to sit in contentedness. It's just a calm, easy happiness. Mm -hmm. And I find that like when you do this mindfulness training, I remember walking around like nothing bothers you. <laughs> you stuff can happen and you're like, oh, well, they're having an experience, but you're not judging it. It's mm -hmm. not firing up all your systems to get you into a state of stress or mm -hmm. anger or frustration. Um, and so, yeah, it's about, you know, a lot of it, it takes practice to reframe, but, you know, like life is this, we've got every day to do better. Like if, if today wasn't good, you wake up the next day and, and it's another opportunity to do better and to do, to keep what works and keep what you liked and to change what's, what's different. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I love watching Lori Ladd on YouTube. She's always like, observe, observe, observe. And when we do observe, we are in that state of contentment a little bit more. Two things I want to mention. One thing is that the, let's talk about TikTok because you mentioned like little quick tips, bite-sized tips that people can learn, which I love that concept of. However, I also heard, I went to this parenting talk, which was really amazing about, um, the online cyber safety and whatever for teenagers. And um, I heard something about, you know, TikTok videos, because they're so short and kids just sit there for hours scrolling, like they end up impacting their ability to concentrate, you know, their um, attention Absolutely. span. Absolutely. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah. You can literally see, you can literally watch what these short form videos are doing to the, what, and particularly the frequency. I don't know if you've noticed, but like, as a parent, like my, my child comes in my room and he's like watching TikTok. I'm like, get that noise out. It's that same, like, it's like a real intense, loud, you know, like volume of this and that. And look, there is some real shocking negative stuff to, to social media as well. I mean, my supervisor, he, we sat down and he was like, yeah, I did this in social media and I was called to be the, you know, expert on this is something about TikTok and the journalist ran this. Um, they basically set up an account to be a 13-year-old or something. Yes. I've heard and they saw what came back. And it was like, there's there is some really, really shocking stuff on social media. So it's about being smart about it. It's about being aware of, you know, what's good for me and what's not. Now, you know, kids doing the time of sitting through TikTok, I think it definitely needs to be limited. Um, and you can counter the effects of sitting. In, I mean, even even adults sitting. I don't know if you actually pay attention. Um, but have you like? Do you sit? Do you sit in front of a computer all day long? At, on days, on certain no, days. I, me? Oh no! I'm like, I'm like on the computer and the phone sporadically throughout the day for my work. You know, for the business that I run. But I'm I don't sit for ages. I'm up and down, and I'm all over the place. Um. But I, I know, I, and I don't really go on TikTok and scrolling. Um, I tend to watch more stuff on Rumble or on YouTube or I'm all on Telegram a lot. Uh, but they are, they are short videos. A lot of them are the same, similar. Um, so yeah, you're always going to find negative content, but you're always going to find positive content. So I guess we can be empowered about choosing what we watch, what we expose mm. ourselves to. And, but also what I was getting to is like, I don't, I really notice the difference, like, you know, especially when you're running theses and I also work and things like that. And there's a huge difference when you spend your day in front of the computer screen versus spending the day out in nature. Yeah. So, you know, like 
there that was where I was getting to is, for example, a really good way. And, and a number of like uh, Dr. Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of my favorite neuroscientists who's out there on social media. And, you know, that he's done some very advanced research into these things. But he, you know, he was always advising like 10 years ago. It was like, if you're going to do the time on the technology, get out of nature and ground that electromagnetic energy yes. out of you, stand barefoot on the earth, uh, let that energy or, or walk in water, like go on the beach where the water walks out. Um, and even the light, the wavelength of the green light of all the plants, it has an effect on us and the sounds of nature, the sounds of nature are very soothing to the mind. So you can have like, you can you can be smart about your use of the technology, and it's not just the social media itself. It's literally the physical devices. They they give off a whole lot of electromagnetic energy, um, and it impacts our cells and it impacts our mind. And um, even TV, like back when we were you know we were all in the world of broadcast TV, people didn't realize, but it puts your brain into alpha, and which alpha is great, but also alpha is very suggestible <laughs> so um you know like there's pros and cons and so it's just about being smart being aware of what this technology is doing to us and being smart and utilizing it for good and bad now this social media campaign that we weren't going to do is not to, it's not about bombarding people with a whole lot of videos that they're sitting for hours and hours on the end it's like you know less than five minutes a day of a very short form video that is very easily accessed through the smart device that pretty much everyone has these days um, and then giving them skills and tips and tricks to go out and, and also, you know, um, increasing mental health literacy and how to um, be aware of yourself and, mm. and recognize when, you know, your body needs to do some move into something different and, and, and clean up its kind of mental or, or lifestyle hygiene again. So inspiration and education, and that will be helpful for the person, but probably possibly more so for the friend, you know, or the parent or the, like you had said to your flatmate, like, Hey, you know, I th I'm a bit worried about you because you're sleeping a lot. Sometimes when people are in that state, right, they don't realize like they're not the ones that will notice the signs and symptoms as much as somebody else who's feeling a little bit better about things. So I guess, yeah, that sounds good. What, so what kind of platform were you thinking about for putting this out to the world? Uh, all of them. Um, so particularly the reels, so the shorts and the reels on uh, TikTok, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. The you know social media is driven by algorithms, and um, and and that's influenced by human behavior. And but what currently you know like they they are pushing like with YouTube, for example, introducing shorts they put like an extra boost on pushing out and so on and so forth. So um, mostly reels. I, reels seem to be ingested really easily. Uh, but actually, I've, this is this is one of the questions in my research. So my research currently for the master's, master's is typically a, a more narrow research. It's like a one-year research project. Um, and so in my research, I ask questions like, you know, where are you watching? What would you prefer? Would you prefer short-form video? Are you more likely to watch long-form video? What about infographic texts and so on and so forth? And so we're going to look at that data and use that data to to drive, you know, to decide where to put it. But I would definitely say a short form video is probably going to be one of the dominant ones. Um, and then the other thing you got to watch with social media, I, it took me a while to learn this actually, but because I remember Facebook came out and then I used to run events in Auckland and, um, oh, well, I still do, but um, more, more full time. And, um, 
I remember putting everything out to Facebook and then I got a grant from the government to to do youth events and I was using Facebook. I was like, why am I not getting any response? And uh, little did I realize, it took me a while to learn that actually as you can see what the generations are attached to the social media that came out in their time. So yeah. Facebook is definitely a, an older demographic, uh, more middle-aged. And then you've got Instagram, which is kind of the Gen Y, Gen X combined, but more the Gen Y. Um, and then from there, you've got like Snapchat and, and TikTok kind of came out and it just kind of went broad. So I'd say, I don't, I can't really identify an, an, uh, a common um, like a t- TikTok doesn't stand out to me as having something that you're this generation or that generation. It's very broad because it's almost like the you get the generation one and generation two, and then you, after that, when you get new technologies come out, it just kind of merges them all. It's kind of like the same with our blood type. We had O, and then we had A, and then we had B, and then we had AB. It was like every time it was stepping up and then getting more and more mixed of the original, you know, genetics. Um, so yeah, we see that in social media. So pretty much just everything, but definitely Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok would be primaries, also some YouTube, and then having an app, uh, like what you were talking about with your radio app, mm-hmm. um, is you know, people can decide to just let it naturally influence them through their feed on a daily basis as they tune in, or they can log into the app and access the library of information because all of these little videos will build up a library of, of tips and techniques that they can use to make them their life better, whether it's to just improve their uh, mental well-being or to become more understanding of how to help someone else around them. Yeah, well, an app would be amazing. I mean, our numbers on Reality Check Radio, I think, doubled when we added the app, which is incredible. Um, just for the people listening that might not know, we'll do a little termino- terminology. When you talk about reels, so for those that don't know, a reel is a video, usually in the vertical, like it's a, not a landscape, but vertical video. And usually if it's um, on Instagram, I think it's one minute, one and a half minutes max. I don't know what they are on TikTok. How long are the videos on TikTok? TikTok's more, it's a bit more flexible. Um I think you can do all lengths of on TikTok, but the 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 dominant real length is one minute, right? Um, and it's usually some... it's usually it can be a straight video or it can be a kind of a montage, like a like a montage of different clips, and you can put text on top and you can add a link so people can click it. Um, anyway, so that's what we're talking about. Just wanted to say that when we talk about yeah. reels, Aston, let's go to the questions that I ask all my guests. Number one is up your brave. What is one thing you've done in the last year to truly up your brave? Well, um, I I just think me going back and finishing this master that I started 10 years ago and um, going back into psychology uh, is something because it's, I don't know, I'm just inherently driven to try and make back a change in the, the world somewhere. Yeah. It's very cool. I love it. I love when someone has the courage to do that instead of thinking, oh, I've missed the boat or, oh, I'm too old or all the thousand reasons you could think of not to. Good on you. Yeah, I'm definitely a mature student. Let's just say that. <laughs> I'm teaching. I'm literally teaching. I'm I'm a lab tutor at uni for teaching a paper that I took 20 years ago. And I stand and I'm like, oh, I feel so old every time I say that. <laughs> it's amazing. And what about the bucket list? Do you have anything on your bucket list? This is something you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with. Uh, well, I have to say at the moment and 
I, I plan to just spend my next 10 years, but I, but I is this project is the doctorate. I want to get into the doctorate and um, take this research to be able to apply it on a mass level. I I've had this life where I happen to, I don't know, it, like even back in 2012, I just ended up, I, I do things like I'd put a call out for the public to come dance with me thinking, you know, get like 20, 30 people, come have a hangout, come just go dance in a park and stuff like that. And 500 people showed up <laughs> and we're like, put on this event, keep it going. And so, and then when I, I found myself kind of naturally involved in kind of like social movement stuff that I would do something and it would kind of trigger the public to do a lot of things. And so when I'm carrying this energy through my life, I also put an Earthbeat Festival, um, which is a music festival in north of Auckland. And we had 4,000 people. It was actually, I put it on my birthday. So it's like a really good birthday party. Black seeds playing and so on. <laughs> like your friend dancing. But, it, you know, like, it's it's I've I've always had this thing where I can just do just even the smallest of action and it can result into this big thing that the public respond to, and so I'm my I really want to to put this um, get into the doctorate and put this uh, put this to the test because I I'm really curious to see what putting all the psychoeducation and information out there in these videos that the public can can access. And I really, really want to see if it, we can see those mental health statistics improve. Yeah, let's turn things around. Definitely. I'm going to do your human design after. I want to know if you're a manifester. Sounds like it. Um, so, so in terms of the bucket list, just getting it out to the people and how can we help you? How can we help to get it out to the people if you need more people to fill out the survey? Um, how do they do that's that? The bit. Yeah, that's the bit. So I've got, a. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you've got anywhere to put a link, but it is a bitly short link, the bit.ly forward slash social media psych research okay. um, is, yeah, you could help me by the more data we collect. This is, this is the... It's just a it's a short five minute survey and it just asks informate questions on your behavior and your opinions around social media with in relation to like mental health influencing and and obviously this larger project. And um I think it's pretty exciting for the participants involved that if we do if I do manage to pull this off, like all the participants that have involved, you could be proud of yourself that actually it's it's your guys' opinions and and um and the willingness to take the time to give us this data helps shape this this great project that I think I really hope could help the nation. I think it definitely will. So what I'll aim to do for those people listening is I'll aim to put the link definitely on my Facebook page, which is Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler Welsh. That's Facebook. Then I'll see if I can also get myself together and put it on, have it put on the Reality Check Radio Facebook page as well. But also on the replay page, hopefully we'll have that link as well. Really depends how long you're going to have the the doors open for that survey. When does it close? I'm going to keep it open, I think, till the 31st of October. Okay. So I think we've got time. Uh, I I have actually applied. I've had to apply for an amendment to um to get that confirmed. It will definitely be open until mid October. Okay. But I've I've applied to kind of get another two weeks because actually the res- the public are responding really well. Like um I think in the first I'm just under two weeks of of data collection and I'm I've had over 300 participants. Um some of them screen out, but we've got over 250 like 250 people have completed the whole survey, which is how long does it take? Really, to five fill it minutes. Out. Five minutes. Five minutes. It's like it's like thirteen questions, and some of these are just basic demographic questions as well. Some of it you could see it racks once we start asking you to rank your likeliness to use different types of social media. You could see it kind of like they get a bit 
Do you ask us what type of content we're concerned about? Like, you know, the sexualization of children or, you know, things like that doesn't get into that? No, no. It's because at the end of the day, the content that I I don't think that's relevant in the sense of, because that's that's kind of looking at, it is relevant in the sense of, you know, that we need to address that. But in the context of my research, um, we're talking about putting these, you know, using mental health influences, um, sharing psychoeducation to the nation through these short form videos. And so the videos are very controlled and planned and created and, yeah. and they'd have a positive impact. So engaging in the the project will not, you know, expose you to any risk because that's the other thing is I'll have to go through human ethics and get ethics approval for this. Um and, and that is that can that can take like a whole year. Human ethics is such a big co- process. So, um, so yeah, and and that's and at that sense, we're asking questions like part of an ethical um, when you go through human ethics is you can't kind of digress. You have to ask stuff really relevant to your research questions. And so my research questions are just around, um, you know, mental health, the 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 patterns of engagement of mental health um, of. Sorry, the interest in mental health content on social media and how we currently engage in social media. Like, are you more like, you know, are you more likely to use this platform that, you know, like we ask you to rank your likeliness of using different platforms um, and and different types of posts, like videos and reels and things. And then we look then and it finishes with asking you about kind of the, um, you know, aspects of what makes a mental health influencer trustworthy and, and the information of value. Um, and I think in somewhere in there was also some questions around why people are you would be engaging in mental health content and and they we asked you to kind of report both from the sense of the self but also why others so that you can kind of get we get a bigger data set that maybe they might not have experienced but they think others might use social media mental health engage in mental health social uh, mental health content on social media. I mean, there's so much for people to learn. I mean, even so many people don't know the impact of nutrition on mental health. So I'm excited oh, to, for yeah. everything. I used to be a nutritionist. Yes, yes, I would definitely be including nutrition in, in, in that. Is and and they do in psychotherapy. It's it's absolutely impacting. Because I think people know, number one, mental health is a problem. Number two, it seems to be declining. But what do we do about it? And I feel like that's that's the space you're aiming to fill. Is that right? Yeah. And I think, and I'm doing, I'm driven to do that because I started out with poor mental health. Uh, mine was in part due to a medical condition. I had gone to the doctor since I was like a teenager saying, can you test my thyroid? There's something wrong with it. And um, tests always came back negative. And then it wasn't until I rocked it up with this whopping goiter going, um, so what's this? And they're like, oh yeah, so there is a problem with your thyroid. Mm. Once I got treated the thyroid mental health um you know like I didn't have it just was like yeah it just became this bundle of happiness <laughs> and um and and there's other times in life like you know one like say any parent watch putting your child on the on your girls on the pill um estrogen is very like uh very depressing and I had I was given way too much estrogen when I was young and it I, I'm lucky to be alive because of it, let's just say. And uh, when they gave me the testosterone to get rid of the estrogen, it was like, whoa. Um, so our hormones have a huge effect on our mental health and um, men do have it easier, I would say, because having taken testosterone myself and literally seen my body start to turn into a guy, it was like, um, it, 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 yeah, it's definitely something us women have a, um, you know, harder time because we we our hormones are just so depressing. 
So I look forward to helping you. Um, well, hopefully we can get some people to fill out that survey. So you collect the data that you need to know where to show up and the content to provide. Um, what else is coming up for you or how can people connect with you um, to learn more about what you're up to in your, in your gen- general day, um, life and business and I'll, also your music? Well, I haven't, it's funny. I'm so busy because I also am a recruitment consultant. So I, um, I, I haven't done much music lately, but I keep thinking like I should just make the time to do it just for my own mental health. Funny enough. Um, I used to, Nat knows me by the way, everyone from, um, from my performance world, I used to be an entertainer. And, um, and so, yeah, I haven't, we we did a lot of that in COVID, funnily enough, and then I just got this other job, and then my master's, and then it was like kind of I don't know. I just got the drive to. I'm quite an intellectual person. I need. The, I like the stimulation. I like academia and stuff. So, I went back in there, and and music's definitely taken the back seat. Uh, I also was posting um, my on um, social media under Aston. My ta- my handle is Aston Interactive, and that's where I was posting this content, uh, these short form videos. So they are still up there. But what I did do is I had to stop because of the impact on the research. It just makes it very messy and can create a conflict of interest. And I I thought, you know what, like I I'll make a much bigger impact by stepping back and just being the researcher and creating this, uh, you know project over a number of years than than pursuing myself as an as a mental health influencer um but there is a i do i have created a facebook and instagram page and i'm just working on the tiktok uh which is solely for this research so anyone interesting interested in tracking it uh be it taking the research or even seeing where I take it in the future years with hopefully getting into a doctorate is um is the it's a facebook.com and I, I call it acronyms of social media mental health new zealand so it's s m m h n z and the same is on on instagram and yeah if you can if you like and follow the page what i will obviously do is continue to to narrate the path of the research along there and and can keep can keep keep people connected if they're interested in participating in in the research once it actually goes live in the national campaign Amazing. Okay. So people can follow you on Facebook and Instagram on the SMMHNZ. And there are some on TikTok too. And TikTok. Okay. Amazing. So before we wrap things up, is there anything else you'd love to share with our audience today on the topic of using social media to help the mental health of our nation? I think it's very comprehensive. I think we've said a lot. I just say, you know, like be smart, you know, be wise and be conscious of of it. And uh, yes, there are negatives out there. But for every negative, I'm sure there's, well, I can certainly see lots of positives. So, um, you know, you can choose to to contain the negative and control for the negative uh, and harness the positive for empowering your life. Amazing. Thanks so much, Aston. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Some great insight there from Aston Garrett talking about social media to help the mental health of our nation. We talked about concepts like psychoeducation the magic of mindfulness and not judging your thoughts, mentalization, we talked about mood congruence, um, and also being guided by your emotions. So, so important. Social media, right? So interesting, like (laughs) a blessing and a curse. Um, Because, you know, often we think about consumption regarding social media, like watching things, reading things, 
But there's also the broadcasting side of it, meaning um, the capturing of your life and showing it. You know, people talk about the high, how people put the highlight reel on Facebook, meaning the high po- points of their life and and maybe making, and that helps people to um, feel, I guess, comparing them their lives to other people, which is not great. Uh, but I think for, especially for the, our generation of kids that grew up with social media kind of ever present, and I'm conscious as an adult, as a parent to, I want to like document my kids' lives, but I also don't want them to feel like I'm just going to like video everything they do. I actually want them to be present and I want myself to be present as well. So that's, it's that fine balance, you know, around the consumption and the broadcasting, because of course, if we feel like someone's videoing us and going to post it, or we feel like we have to video things and post them, and then things get, they're under assessment, or they're under judgment, or they're under surveillance, it changes things. It changes how it feels. So it's this, it really is a fine balance. And especially for people like me who are in business, and we use social media as a tool to help us get our message out. And as I like to say, I help people get their wisdom to the world. And part of that is on social media. Um, but it is, you, you want to be mindful about it. So if you want to get in touch with Aston and if you want to be part of her research and share some of your views about social media, you can um, go and look up. I think she mentioned a few taglines and things, but I will be sure to go and post the details on my Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh Facebook page. You can find it there. Now we've got a song coming up that Aston shows. This is Caring for Our Kids. It's a song that she actually composed. She's very talented. It's It was for poverty awareness with the Emote Trust. It was a campaign that they did. And in this, um, she plays music. She plays the piano, but she's multi-talented. She plays... Uh, she composed the song and in and she generally has so many talents. She plays piano, double bass, flute, saxophone, mariba, mariba, hand pan, and all the guitars and ukulele, native drums, percussion, and she tap dances. Whoa, my goodness. Well, have a listen. This is a very lovely, relaxing song with a lovely video to go along with it. If you want to look up Caring for Our Kids on YouTube, you can. Here it is.
You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh. And if you're just tuning in, we've had some amazing interviews today. First, we talked to Charmaine Marinkovich, and we talked about unleashing your wild and aligning with your truth. Next, I talked to Tanya Unkovich, who is standing as a candidate in Epsom for the New Zealand First Party. We talked about her journey from going from grief to greatness. And finally, just now, I talked to Aston Garrett, um, who's doing some psychology research all around social media and using it for good. And as a great follow-on from that last interview, I interviewed Hone Edmonds many months ago, and we talked about the healing the psychology of man. And we talked all around a whole range of issues. He's such a fascinating guy, so much wisdom, so much insight. In fact, I messaged with him just a few days ago, and he said he was building his tiny home and pottering around in his veggie garden. But sadly, he had also been um, up and down the country actually visiting with sick and um, jabbed, you know, jab injured loved ones, which is really quite tragic. And as you probably know, I went along to the NZD SOS conference a few weeks ago, and there are a lot of people up and down the country that have really felt not just, you know, financial ramifications, but physical body ramifications from the COVID craziness that we all experienced. Um, that we are still experiencing in a way. And I think, you know, it has had an effect on all of our mental health and well-being. So here's a little bit of a flashback to my interview with Hone. And if you want to listen to the whole episode interview, which I would recommend, you can do that on the replay page. Just use the app, click on replays, click on Up Your Brave, or you can probably just go to the search bar and type in Hone, which is H-O-N-E. Here it is. When you've been in a hospital for a month and all you hear is the beeping sounds of a machine, of machines in, in, in your, next to you, your bed, and being inside four walls, I remember looking outside the window and seeing all the trees of uh, the forest below me from the, from the window of my hospital bed. And, and, um, I guess, you know, many readers who have read my first book know that I escaped from hospital three times and uh, I was apprehended uh, once or twice trying to escape from hospital. And I'd, thankfully, I don't remember any of that. But if anyone was looking to, again, as I said before, is that being able to look at themselves in the mirror and saying, am I living... Is my life blissful in harmony with with existence itself, or am I living stuck in this realm we refer to now as as called the the matrix? And if I am living in conflict in that system, mm-hmm. uh, it's obviously not bringing joy. It's bringing me enormous heartache, but. In seeing that and examining that, I'm realizing now that my life is ticking away tremendously fast. And do I see myself living this matrix existence for the next year or 10 years or decades? Or as a man, and I'm saying this to the men out there, am I able to say, I surrender because it's extraordinarily challenging for men to say, I surrender, particularly in this country, in New Zealand, because it's all about 
you've got to be a man. You don't, uh, you don't uh, just l- don't follow your feelings. You just puff your chest out, take a deep breath, and get on with it. And that's been the 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 uh, crutch of of the problems that males have, uh, particularly in New Zealand. And this is why it has been so evidential in the rates of suicide that we've seen mm. in this country being the highest in the world. And it's and and so for a man to even consider the word surrender, it's very very unfamiliar and it's not attractive for a man to come to that point of surrender but from from a point of well if if it means changing and to be the man that you truly are there's nothing wrong with surrendering because there's nothing wrong with going down a path that's not conducive to your own joy peacefulness and happiness and we just turn, stop and don't go any further and say where is is the path uh, that I should be going on, and how do I embark on that path? And so, to being able to fulfil ourselves in a way that brings uh, such an enlivened sense of vitality to our lives that we may not have experienced that ever in our lives before, and we're coming to that point of well, how do I go about doing it? Well, for me, coming out of the hospital. I already knew what I wanted to do because um, no one could talk to talk me into doing anything because I was such a I was stubborn as a mule, <laughs> and uh, and uh, my family would know that my children would know that and a lot of my closest friends would know that and uh, but as the ensuing weeks and months and years went on, they realised that. The, the path that I did choose following my heart was was the right one. And I'm not saying that it's always right. I mean, there are challenges that I come across, uh, but nothing like the challenges that others would uh, face when they're confronted with those challenges living in the matrix. And so mine was just a very, very quick change uh, and but for those that have come to that realization of do i see myself in the same rut in the same dull monotonous routine uh, in the next five or ten years as i've been experiencing in the last five or ten or twenty or thirty years Mm. and if, if 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 it is a yes then the change is required and so in order to make that change, rather than doing it overnight, just like I did, um, uh, I've learned this, this uh, saying they say in, in, in Turkey, um, where I lived there since 2017, uh, they, they say this beautiful saying, and it's just yavash yavash. And yavash yavash just simply means just to take it slowly slowly and take each step cautious step one at a time i hope you enjoyed that flashback with hone edmonds and thank you so much for tuning in today i've got another song coming up but i wanted to send you off with a lot of love and gratitude 
I'm turning 50. I am officially 50. Well, officially tomorrow because I was born in Canada and we're a day behind. But I always like to stretch these things out and start celebrating early. Um, I will be putting on my sweet my dress from when I was sweet 16 at my prom night party, which will be fun. I have so many incredible people that I've had an honor of, you know, crossing my path in my whole 50 years. It's, it's life is fascinating, isn't it? Um, and I'd love to also extend an invitation to any of you out there that are business owners, or maybe you work for yourself, you're a speaker, you're a healer, you're a coach. My question for you is what do you have on your business bucket list? You can let us know. You can send us a text, 2057. Uh, but I also wanted to know, you know, what are you wanting to get to do, be, or experience in your business lifetime? Do you want to do a TED Talk? Do you want to write a book or be interviewed on someone else's podcast or on Reality Check Radio? Do you want to travel and earn while you do that? Or do you want to run your own workshops or collaborate with other people in an online course, whatever it might be? However you want to, as I say, voice your impact. Um, I am here to stand beside you. I love to empower people who have a strong message to share with their world, with the world. Um, and after 15 plus years of working with people up and down the country and also internationally, it's been an amazing journey. And I have wisdom that I'd love to share with you to help you map your path to extraordinary impact. We're going to do that. I do do that. I do do that in my coaching, my one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do that as well as visibility, of course, and vitality. But I'm bringing all of those three things together, my three favorite things. And we're going to be doing that at the lovely Lux Stargate retreat forest uh stargate forest retreat center i had a guest on a few weeks back rob robertson he owns this incredible retreat center and my retreat is happening in november so if you're curious to hear more about that you can send me a message uh probably the best way to do that is 2057 just um leave an email address or a phone number and it'll get passed on to me if you want to hear about my retreat and mapping your path to impact, or you can send me a message on Facebook or Instagram up your brave. Um, it's There's actually three early bird spots at the moment, which may be gone by Monday. So get in touch, or you can look it up, upyourbrave.com slash retreat. It has been awesome to spend some more time with you today to celebrate anyone who's had a birthday in September, also to honor um, Alopecia Awareness Month, as we have the last few days of September. And whether you're listening to this live or later, as always, we love to hear from you. What is resonating? What have you learned? What is landing for you? And how can you use this? More importantly, how can you use this in your life to stay empowered and to up your brave? We would love to hear. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again next week. Until then, this is Natalie Cutler-Welsh with the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR, Reality Check Radio.